Spotty's leaving PS Plus. Sega kills two birds with 775 million stones. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square Edo PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as is always, is one Mr. Christopher Figs. Hey. You like how I used your proper, like your proper full name on the beginning and then like your slang last name on the end? (laughs) That was, I I just basically did your name as a mullet. Yeah, business in the front and party in the back. Yeah, exactly. Same, same idea. (laughs) Every now and then you got to do that, you know? You got to just, you got to have a little bit of a mullet in your life, whether it's your hair or not, you know? There's Mm -hmm. always a time where you have to choose the mullet route. Mullet's a lifestyle, it doesn't have to be a hairstyle, you know? Yeah. It can also be that. It's true. But Chris, this is not a podcast. Depends about how you moments. spend your days. Could be. <laughs> this is a podcast that can sometimes be business up front and then uh, party right there at the crazy end. But this is a PlayStation podcast. So if you're new to the show, first and foremost, welcome. We hope you enjoy uh, the episode. Today, we're going to be talking about some stuff that's happened the past week. We're still in a relatively slow news period, but it's starting to get a little more spicy. So we've got Media Molecule closing down. Or No, I'm kidding. Not closing down. We have one person leaving Media Molecule. (laughs) I blew that one up for a second. My bad, guys. Uh, Spider-Man is leaving uh, PS Plus, which is prompting some questions from some users uh and we've got sega choosing to get in on some of that m&a action uh by throwing around some uh aggressively medium bucks but that's okay uh we'll get into all that here in a bit but first and foremost we always start the show off in a time-honored tradition of checking in on what we've been playing so that we can Hopefully show each other some new games occasionally, as Chris does with things like Dredge, going so far as to install it on my console. (laughs) (laughs) Whether purposefully or an accident, whether he wants to admit it, I think it was on purpose. Uh, And, uh, of course, hopefully help you guys to discover some new or old games to dig into and have a good time with. So, Chris, as always, I shall defer to you to start this off. What has your gaming week been up with? What have you been playing? Um, well, I've been spending a lot of time uh, getting through Resident Evil 4. I'm doing a 100% run on assisted mode. Uh, my big tip is go S-rank mercenaries. Gives you a very good gun, which you can end up with unlimited ammo. So that's actually been a huge problem for me. Do you have this issue where you play shooters and you hit square to reload after like every combat encounter? Constantly. It's but the, the the saving grace I have is I don't seem to have that problem in third person. I exclusively have that problem in first person yeah. games because it's like I've taught myself through years of playing different multiplayer games online that like if you shoot, you immediately mm-hmm. refill so that you don't you don't get caught, you know, slacking. Yeah, exactly. So I have that habit and when you have this unlimited gun. And I'm wearing the pinstripe suit. I don't know if this changes depending on what you're wearing. But it has unlimited ammo. So every time I hit square, it does this animation of Leon like spinning the gun, flipping it over his back, catching it, and then like tipping his fedora. It's a great animation. (laughs) But you can't skip it. So I've hit X and had this animation happen in like the middle of combat. So I'm doing this whole flippy dippy anime anime shit. 
and some uh, Granados <laughs> comes and hits me in the back, and it just it ruins it ruins my time. But uh, so you don't have that, iframes during all that, huh? No, you definitely don't. Which actually, <laughs> on assisted mode, the fastest way to continue is to get hit in the head and then uh, continue on because it stops the it stops that animation. But <laughs> that's yeah, animation skips. I mean, that's yeah. actually a pretty good idea. Yeah. No, it, it, it works. But uh, yeah, that gun's like a one-shot kill, and I have it upgraded so that I have unlimited ammo with it. So I'm just sprinting around, shooting down treasures, sprinting through the game. It's been a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy Resident Evil 4 Remake. So since I've never played any of those games that way, right? I've never been one to like, I'm going to replay the game with time trials or anything like that. Yeah. Um, how do you even go about getting an S rank on those? Like, you know, I've never really thought about it or worried about it. So is it based on accuracy, based on time through the level? Like, it's is time it different saves. Elements? It's time saves and death. And I'm not sure if damage counts, but because um, I'm not trying to S rank yet. So I'm not, I haven't looked into the requirements, but I do know like to S rank professional, you can't save more than like 15 times. Uh, across so stuff, the whole game. Right. Across the whole game. But you don't need to. Once you know the game, like I'm halfway through in three and a half hours while searching out every collectible. Uh, and my first playthrough was like 16, 17 hours. So, um, once you once you beat the game once, you know exactly what to do. Just sprint through, one shot all the enemies, especially with this gun, and just keep moving. Keep it I pushing, Chief. But yeah, so still it highly recommend it. I guess I didn't even think about that. Does it actually just rank you at the end of the game? And I because there's I guess there's not like chapter points for it to rank you by, is there? Well, there are chapter endpoints, and but it just gives you the results. Like it tells you, oh, you shot a Castellian in this in this level. You did it in this many times. You got hit this many times. This was your accuracy. See, this is how fast you did it. I didn't know if they keep it. that or not in the modern version. I remember that in the original version. But, you yep. know, that's one of those things that since I don't really think about that, like, I don't feel like I remember that being a thing in Resident Evil 7. So I guess they've kept that as a holdover from the previous game. Or maybe it's just that even though it was there, I just didn't recall it. I can't remember if it's in 7 or 8. but So yeah. I actually don't know. I remember those games games being like a very fluid experience where this one is more I don't remember there being much that's stopping them. It's like you're just moving through, which seven is a much smaller. uh, It's like narratively, its scale is much smaller. It's a more personal story, whereas four feels like in like a 90s action movie with horror elements. You know what I mean? Like not. Not derogatorily, it's like that movie reminds me of like an action film with the way that it tries to set things up and pay things off. Uh, the game, rather, is like an action. Movie. I don't know if I said. I think I said the film. <laughs> it's definitely but, more action than than the previous ones. Um, it's like it scales up towards RE five, so I can see why you'd think that way. But I do think this one's scary. So it's not just like balls to the wall action. There's some scary moments in it, but. Well, it's I feel no that RE8. way about four original. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that was part of the original game. Like, I could definitely get where people were like, well, this one is more action-oriented, and clearly it is. But I never felt like it was completely devoid of horror. And that was, like, my big complaint for five. Is like, five really did feel like it just gave up the ghost of trying to be tense. Like, it was yeah. like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. So, I feel like they went for set pieces and, and action uh, action gameplay with the guns and stuff 
Which, let's be real for a second and think about it. You're getting snuck up on. Oh, <laughs> thanks. That was so sweet. <laughs> also, <laughs> I, a little terrifying on camera because I was like, someone is clearly walking up on this man right now. <laughs> And he's talked about having ghosts in his house. So, uh, you while I don't believe was in ghosts, a ghost? <laughs> giving you what looked to be a bowl of chili. It is. Uh, oh, I don't granola know what it is. And strawberries. Oh, nice. It's a playable. Looks, looks was that very Mama, good. Was that Mama Figs? That was my mother. Yes. Oh, sweet lady, sweet lady. <laughs> that, that's how you see her, her boy needs some, you know, he needs to be healthy. He needs to eat some uh, granola and strawberry and whatever other stuff. <laughs> Are you undecided on whether you like it? Yeah, it's interesting. Crunch it. It feels like it should more. be. Sorry. It feels like it should be ice cream. And it's very much not that. But or at okay. least frozen it's, yogurt. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I like it. Uh, but yeah, thinking to Resident Evil 5, right? Um if you think about the landscape of gaming that it came out in, Uncharted was a huge success, and 4 had already went more action-oriented. So I'm sure Capcom was like, yeah, we could just... Because like, even if you think about what it is, it feels more espionage-oriented. This is going to sound a little crazy. I promise I mean this in as loving as a way as I can. For a little while there, it seemed like Resident Evil was on the Fast and Furious train. Like where it was like <laughs> it started off as one thing, but as each new entry comes in, we add more layers. So it's like, oh, it's a it's a movie about racing. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, but then it's a undercover cop movie, and then it's an FBI movie, and mm. then it's global espionage, <laughs> and then it's a superhero movie. Yes. Yeah, and then people are slinging from vines on cars and going to space, and you just kind of go with it, right? And yeah. I feel like that's what Resident Evil was. It was like city. Like, the, the upside to it is that it started pretty early because, like, Resident Evil One's a pretty seemingly small game, and then two really kind of opens up the craziness right toward the end, and then three is also pretty small scale, but just a little like okay, it's just more of that zombie stuff. And then four is like, no, fuck it, espionage, president's daughters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel so, like it's funny because <clears throat> I guess my opinion on Resident Evil translates to I have the same opinion about Fast and the Furious, where it's just about the escalation of the the games. Right? It makes sense that in one. It's the scariest one. You don't know what's going on. You've never experienced zombies before. And then in two, it's still scary. Leon's never experienced this, but the player has. And you're moving through that in in a way where you understand more of the zombies. And then by the time in three, when it's like, oh, here's the tyrant, and here's all these guns, and here's a secret laboratory and a basement kind of thing. It And then you get to four, where it's, like you said, espionage, president's daughter, Leon is a is a super spy. And then in five, it's like, it's action time, baby. And then six, action time times four. We're going to space. Wesker's kids here. Let's go. <laughs> you know, it's the same escalation is, that is in the Fast and Furious series. It is funny that in many ways, seven kind of was like, we got to reset the clock. Like we've got to, got to pull things back and, and make a smaller scale horror game because like seven is a much scarier game than honestly i think seven may be the most actually scary and tense resident evil game in large part due to the first person camera perspective um but 
I don't know. It's like, like you said, it has a lot of the feeling of one, but in a mm. with the you know, and one had that thing where like it was using the camera angles to set the tension because you couldn't control them, which did work. Um, it's a little frustrating going back to, but it did work. It set the tone, and you're like, I don't want to go around this corner because I don't know what's around this corner, and I can't. Like, do you ever find yourself in games trying to like cheat? Like, I'm gonna sit by this corner and kind of like try and rotate the camera so I can see what's on the other side before I move. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I've so it's kind of like that. It's, it's a staple of third person games. You know, like yeah. I've done it in Resident Evil where I was trying not to die and I'm like turning the camera and hoping Leon can see if there's anything around the corner, and most of the time he can, so it works out pretty well for me. <laughs> Yeah, before you throw caution to the wind. Uh, yeah. While we're while we're thinking about these types of games, like you know, this more, I don't, I don't want to say Resident Evil, but I guess while we're talking about Resident Evil Seven and that first person viewpoint, which I do find to be a lot more tense, um, a game I never got around to playing, though I know a lot of people love. Did you ever play Alien Isolation? I've started it a couple times, but no, I've never finished it. I guess the upside for that is that means you own it. I do own it. Yeah. I may try and jump into that because I was watching some stuff about it the other day and it looks really good. Does but, it? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I guess I'm in that thing where what I've been playing this week has kind of led me to be like, sometimes you just got to buy the hype. <laughs> yeah. So what but have you that's been okay. So keep going. Oh. Well, you have you have more. I guess I do I'll let you finish more. out your quick list. Yeah, go ahead. So let's see. I platinumed uh, Metagal, which as I said in our Discord, it is... Worse than Mega Man, better than Mighty Number no. Nine. Uh, I platinum MLB Twenty Three, the show for the fourth year in a row, fifth time overall. Uh, Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. It's all over. Um, I don't know. This could be a year where I don't play very much MLB after this. Kind of burnt out. Really? Yeah, I burned myself out a little bit because there was some stuff like they up they updated it and. Uh, broke one of the game modes that I was doing for a trophy when I was had played 27 of the 28 games that I had to play to finish. And then it broke, and I couldn't get the trophy I needed. <laughs> had to start that over, so that was a grind. Um, the Negro League stuff they do, like it was done really well. Like Learning the history in those cutscenes was awesome, but I don't sure. like playing moments. So it was very difficult to be like, to do all this stuff and if you make one mistake, you've got to do it all over again, which in some of them is fine. Like if it's get one hit and I don't get a hit that game, okay, great. But when some of them are like pitch three innings, don't give up a run, a hit, a walk, a, you know, it's like, well, shit, you make one mistake and it's over. And it's not that hard, but it was, it's still not what I wanted to do. So by the end of it, I was just like, all right, let's, let's move this along. <laughs> Um, and then Fair I also point. got the platinum in a uh, Task Force Campus. It's a that was a very interesting game. Like a space invaders closed. Dude, honestly, oh yeah, I just, that's the one. I just saw it in the store and I was like, "This looks fun," so I bought it. And uh, oh, yeah, it's a I, Vita. I, yeah, it's a Vita game. That's where I played it. Nice. Yeah, I do recommend it if you like like that Space Invaders type bullet hellish her broxia type game it's good sure yeah um, I got yeah you. but then my last game is uh has been the hd remaster of dragon ball z budokai one and three <laughs> okay so that is the last one i've been playing i've been playing specifically budokai <laughs> one so far 
So while I didn't get that whenever it first came out, I do remember thinking to myself, this is quite odd that they chose to do one and three. Like, Yeah, I don't get why they don't have two in there. Yeah, I don't really understand that one either, but that's okay. I mean, it is what it is. I just, I don't know, because there's a, a lot of those HD classics were about bringing the whole series forward. Like the, uh, <clears throat> when I've been thinking about playing the, sands of time again i'm debating right i'm kind of arguing with myself because i'm like if the remake comes out if it does anytime soon i don't want to be burned out on the admittedly fantastic classic i'd like part of me is like i can go get that platinum right now or i could wait and get that platinum with the remake but what if the remake never comes then i've just waited (laughs) so i don't know i'm torn but what if the remake does come and you don't mind playing it, so now you've fought them to the old one and the remake. It's possible. It is, it is incredibly you know. possible, to the point where I've debated getting the Platinum in the PS3 version of uh, Shadow of the Colossus HD, Oof, because I've that's a that's great right. game. Yeah. Oh, it, it's still, rough. It's rough on PS4, but it's a great game. <laughs> I still want to go back to uh, finish my Dead Space I, Platinum. Dude, craziest thing is I feel like platinum design wise if you like the way that resident evil has you do stuff you should love the way that shadow colossus is because the whole point is after you've done the game it's just basically about doing time trials for certain things there's a little bit more exploration and stuff you've got to do but for the most part the hardest part is having to do time trial versions of every colossus it's not bad Resident Evil is uh, just, for me, it's the power fantasy of I'm doing this thing that I struggled through with an infinite rocket launcher now. Like, that, I really fair. enjoy that part. You don't, you don't get that. You don't suddenly have, like, a one-hit kill sword. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you know, it's... But there is, like, the fun part of the same thing of being, like, this Colossi took me... Or Colossus, rather. Uh, this Colossus took me... 30 minutes to do the first time as I was learning the puzzle and then being like, holy shit, I just beat that Colossus in a minute and 17 seconds or two minutes and 42 yeah. seconds. Like it's, it's kind of wild getting like to a point too. where you've learned weird ways to get around. And some of them are ones that I don't even know if they're meant to be there or if they're official. Or you just figure it out. Like one of them, the guy crashes his sword down into the dirt and it gets stuck and you can get up on it. And if you get the right spot, whenever he goes to pull it out, it flings you forward. And I just landed right onto the spot. <laughs> I just guided myself to the weak spot and landed and immediately was able to get him. Um, so those are fun. You know, it's kind of no, like, like the, the thrill of playing the Hot Wheels game and being like, oh, like the only way you can catch this time is to just find track skip moments. Like, yeah. I swear, I, I will continue to, I want to even, I want to ask one of the developers, like, when you were making this trophy and this, and the, oh, really, when you were making the challenges that these trophies are in relation to for the time trials, you had to have known. Like, you had to have designed it specifically with, you've got to look and be crafty and find ways to skip track. Because there is no way. I've driven perfectly on a full track. No mistakes. Mm-hmm. And been like 45 seconds off. Yeah, you have <laughs> and to And it's just the like skips. there's no fucking way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the same with Resident Evil. Like, there's a skip in the village section, which I don't know. I don't want to get yelled at, so I won't say. But you can skip the entire village fight by doing a specific action. And that's part of it. Like, knowing exactly how to get in there, where to where to go, what to do, and then getting through that in... 30 seconds instead of 10 minutes. Awesome feeling. 
That's what I love. I like I like seeing numbers go up, but I also like seeing numbers go down. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't like is numbers staying right in the middle. <laughs> no. The number must increase. It is the natural order of the universe. You need variation, huh? You need the, the yes. life of the the life of a number. Right. <laughs> they go up, they go down. Exactly, but they never say the same. Eventually they end and you uh, and you start again. Uh, okay. All right, and so those are your last ones, huh? DBZ Budokai, man, I'm telling you, I'm going to be really curious to see, and this is even worse when PS3 controllers are not easy to come by. Do not break your PS3 analog stick trying to make sure that you win the Kamehameha battles. Yeah, those are rough. (laughs) Even doing the the one where Piccolo does his thing to Vegeta and Goku, that was annoying because you have to rotate the stick and move it. Like, good Lord, but I got through it. I'll get through it. We'll see. It will probably end up being a game well, I put on my shelf and like having more than I play, but I am very I'm really to trying it. to remember because um, <laughs> I can't remember if they did it through button press or through the analog stick since it wasn't really an analog stick. There was a, a game called Dragon Ball Z Shin Budokai uh, Another Road on the PSP, which amazing, by the way. I remember the time being on PSP and being like, holy crap, this is like a PS2 game in my hands. Of course, the stick of the PSP, PS2 right. games in your hands. Um, so playing that, and I, rem- I feel like I remember that the, the same battle moments, I think they may have translated it since all you had was the analog slider, like the little nub, and you couldn't really turn that fast because it doesn't protrude and have an easy way to rotate it. Yeah. I think that they changed those to like smashing the hell out of the X button. <laughs> and I found, I found myself as I get older, like even whenever I was playing The Walking Dead, which I'll get to in a minute, but... Um, Anytime it tells me, I just put the thing down, controller, handheld, and then just find the button and just, like, I don't even try and do it with my thumb anymore. I just do my index finger and be like, we're going to get this shit. Let's go. That's how, I mean, that's how you played, like, Mario Party. Like, that's how you play those games, 100%. You put the controller down. The only way you can actually win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. Do you remember, and I did this with almost everyone that I've played this game with to any little bit, uh, but I, I know I did it with, uh, one of our listeners and I'm skipping on his name right now. I think Matt is his name um, that we were doing the, a way out trophy. And I know you and I did it too, where we were doing the number of reps that you could do at the start of the game yeah. in the prison. Yeah. And the whole thing is just constantly hitting the button because, and it gets harder with every rep. Yeah. And I destroyed, I destroyed <laughs> everyone that I've gone against. There. I think you beat me too. I did. Yeah. <laughs> To be fair, you beat me in getting the farthest baseball hit. I did. What was it, like 600 feet, something ridiculous it was pretty in anti-science? Wild. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wild. I remember that we were trying to see if we could spend longer on it. And from what we understood, the game doesn't actually have a limit. Yeah, so we I, were, I remember so. we debated like trying to break the, like just see if we could basically hold this pointless high score. <laughs> like post it online <laughs> and be like, beat that bitches. What's well, Guinness up? It. Guinness World Records <laughs> it up. Maybe we should re- reapproach that. We <laughs> should. Hear, hear us out. <laughs> Listen, we want the record we, for the longest away out home run. We will sit here forever. I remember forever. that the first time that we got like a pretty crazy distance, it was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> Can it go longer? So that was pretty fun. Uh, you know, that was like three hours of my life I'll never get back, but it was also very fun. So I don't really know that I care. I, I thought we had a great time. We Sorry did. about the time of your life that is gone now. 
It's all right, Chris. It's a memory I will cherish forever. Yeah, sounds. And like it's a it. good example. It's a good example of finding your own fun in games. This sounds weird, but I guess technically, to answer Matt Green's question from a, it was either last week or the week before. It may have been episode three hundred when he was saying, like, "Have you ever done any self-imposed challenges in games?" Technically, that's all that was. We were like, "We're gonna see how far we can get to some bitch," and like, until we just literally have to get off. Yeah, and it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed that that night. <laughs> It was a good time. Uh, so I got the plat for the Amazing Spider-Man on Vita. Really fun. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, the guy who was kind of complaining about the comic pages. And I got to say, I don't know if I was just... It was definitely a mix of luck and just paying attention. Uh, in between missions that didn't have much high stakes to them, I would just swing around for like 30 minutes or at 10 o'clock break on work and 3 o'clock break at work, I would just pull out the Vita for 10 minutes and just swing around and grab comic book pages. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was done with the story, I already had like 500 or almost 500. Oh, and so I swung cool. around for like an hour and got to 600. And once you hit 600, the rest of the other 100 show up as like yellow dots on the map. Just like an infamous, but of course, not for the whole time, sadly. So that was pretty fun. Uh, the, the hard part is, you know, I'm stubborn. And even though I knew I was going for plat, I didn't play the game, which I'd played before. But I didn't play the game with a guide, so I had to go back and replay pretty much every mission from the main story, which thankfully are replayable to get the collectibles I'd missed in there. I got mm-hmm. a lot of them first round, but still. <laughs> if only you'd listen to your friendly neighborhood guide, man. I know, but I don't know, man. It's just not It's not as fun. Like I really like playing the game just to play the game and then being like, now it's trophy knockout time. If I need a guide for a few of these, I'll get them. You know? Yeah. I guess I'm just more efficient with my time in that way, which is okay. That's not a bad thing. I just would rather skip that second step. That's how I tend to play. I don't blame you. So I got the plat in that. Great game. Good time. I still stand by the fact that <clears throat> the only real issues with that game are that it had to get out of the door by a certain time. And it had to be stuck between two movies. I really wish it'll never happen, but I wish that Beanox would have actually gotten the time to make a proper time schedule and proper budgeted Spider-Man game. Because I think they had enough love and care for the series. I just don't. I think they had the exact love and care that Insomniac has. They just didn't necessarily have the tech or the backing of their publisher. Yeah, which we know we know for sure now because they're a Call of Duty. <laughs> support dev now. Rip. Ugh. They made some great games. They did World for they Cybertron really, too, didn't they? No, that was a uh, High Point uh, or, or High, High Moon. Moon. High Moon. Yeah, High Moon, dude. I miss them so much. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that did. Um, they're the ones that did Deadpool. They did. Yes. War for Cybertron, of course. Um, and then, um, damn, what is the it, War for Cybertron? What's the other one? Why can't I think of it? I don't know. I can't think Fall of it Fall of Cybertron, I think. Is what oh, it is. yeah. Now nah, I got to know. Yeah, Transformers, War for Cybertron, and then Fall of Cybertron. Great games. Holy crap, so good. And then Deadpool is, of course, a great game as well. I don't think Deadpool is as good as either of the Transformers games, personally, but that's okay. No. Still good game. Deadpool is fun. It's fun. Deadpool it's not good. Fun. There's a difference. It's the problem with Activision across the board, right? Raven has made some killer games. And they're every studio that makes cool games that just don't get a chance to really perform because they're rushed out of the door from Activision. <clears throat> they're like, ah, oh, you make good games. So 
Call of Duty support studio. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Make some maps. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, I got the plat and uh, Thy Sword, which is another Vita game. So get this out of the door. I've not touched my PS5 except to play Pavlov. I played Pavlov this weekend uh, with John. John, I know you're listening. Had a good time. Um, did some more TTT. So basically Among Us had a great time screwing around, playing for another four hours. Time going by like you didn't even know it. Uh, Thy Sword. So that's that's the only time I've played PS5. The rest of this week, I've been literally on my Vita, just glued to it. So Thy Sword, easy game to play while doing other stuff, watching TV. I like those, and I'm trying to introduce those here and there into them. Uh, it's like a side-scroller combat game where you choose a class and you go through and clear areas. And it's like... I'm trying to even think of a game to compare it to. because It's like you move into a tile set and it's just a whole level that stays there and doesn't change, but you can go all around and you have to clear all the enemies, and then it unlocks the door. Is it Advanced um, Warsy? No, it's like it's like a 2D side-scroller, but you don't... It's not a side-scroller. It's more just like a side-action platforming game where you have the whole level visible in your frame at once, and you just know the platforms and move around it. There's Got probably it. games that are more like it that I'm just not as familiar with, like uh, com- maybe... Um, what's the Konami game that everyone the old war game and and I might be wrong that may not even be like that I have no why idea why can I not think of it Metal Slug no that's is it, SNK is it Commando is that what it's called no it's not Commando damn what is that game called it's gonna kill me the Capcom code. No, it's not Capcom code. The Konami code. I don't know. Whatever it is. I don't care. My point being is it's a, it was a fun game. Contra. Contra. There you are. And, yeah, and I, I might be it. wrong. Contra may not. Contra may be a side-scrolling actual game. I really don't remember. Yeah. I can't remember either. I just <laughs> I know the name. I never played much of Contra. Yeah. Me either. Um, and then they had that Bionic Commando. So maybe it's more like Bionic Commando's old games. Yeah, they have. uh, May also be slide scrolling. The main character's wife is a (laughs) is a main character. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, she's a main character. You're talking about the PS3 reboot, right? Yeah, rearmed or whatever. Yeah, interesting game. I like the way it looked and played, though. Yeah, stupid story. Incredible story. story. Terrible story. It's really fun. PS3 era story. We don't get games that dumb anymore. Ah, dude. But also, conversely, void. PS3, PS3 era stories, I finally got around to playing The Walking Dead, which I never played oh, because I'm God. not a big Walking Dead fan. And at the time that it came out, I wasn't, I didn't know anything about Telltale. So I didn't even know that Telltale really existed until um, we got Tales from the Borderlands for free on PS Plus. Yeah. And I was like, well, great this, game. This was a surpri- great game. And I don't even really care for Borderlands much. So I was like, all right, let's see this, what this is about. And so I got the Batman games. I did those. I did the Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy one. I did Wolf Among Us. Um, great. So games. I never played this one. And I went back and played it. And man, it's kind of like playing the Sam and Max games that they did as well, where I liked it. This is clearly more story driven than Sam and Max. But yeah. there's still that element of like, you've got to figure out what you've got to do sometimes. Like you've got to puzzle solve as you do in adventure games. And I kind of, I, a beautiful story, great characters and a really good example of how interactivity 
can really change the potency of something. Because I'm going to tell you right now, what may be a hot take. Okay. Not saying one is better than the other as a as just a what it is. Uh-huh. But I think that The Walking Dead, by nature of making you make the decision and then live with your decisions, is more effective at telling a very similar story to The Last of Us than The Last of Us is. That's a hot take. That is a hot take. And I was aware of it while I was saying it. But I think the difference is, is that there's very sad moments, and I remember tearing up at the beginning, the intro of The Last of, of Us, and of course, the ending of The Last of Us. Of but the thing is, is that you have no agency in that game. Your agency in a game like The Last of Us is to just do what the game asks you or stop playing it. Yeah. <laughs> Those are your really, that's only decisions you have. And so I think the relationship between Clem and Lee feels way stronger to you as the player because you have to make decisions that leads to her feeling a certain way toward you. Mm -hmm. And you know the level of of that thing based off of what you've done and the way that it chooses to have your decisions make some kind of impact on the game. Um, So yeah, I was very impressed to the point where I would have never thought so, but I really want to play the rest of the Walking Dead series um, from Telltale. Very yeah. good. Did you yeah. uh, did you give Doc a high five? I did, one hundred percent. I did. Good. I don't even right want to talk to about Doc right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it's too soon, Chris. You're it's not too ready soon. for that yet. I'm not ready to oh, talk man. about See, it. Now I just want to talk about that game. What a what a we can talk about it after because I'm telling you, I, I can talk about Doc on the show. Maybe not a because I don't want to ruin it for anyone who maybe not have played it. Because where I was going earlier. Sometimes games have hype around them that persist for years. Mm-hmm. And when it does, even if you don't think it's your type of game, sometimes it's worth to just go into it and see. Because I can tell you without a doubt, even though it's an old game that I was playing on the Vita, also, praise be to modded Vitas. Because this game was running at 60 frames per second most of the time. Oh, Which, yeah, it was. Ironically, I thought to myself, if I was playing this on PS3, I bet this game's 30 frames per second. Yeah, I believe so. If that. 10 to 15 sometimes, so, probably. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. There was times that this game comes down to like the 20s for some weird reason. But for the most part, it was 45 to 60. And I don't know if it's because of the small screen or because it's OLED, but I never see screen tearing. It's like it's way more noticeable on a bigger screen when frame rates move around, but I just keep the frame rate ticker up in the upper left corner. Um, but yes, being able to overclock the Vita is a lifesaver. It's the only way that the amazing Spider-Man is a actually great game on Vita. It's the only way that this game, which constantly gets shit on for terrible performance. Great. Had zero issues out of the game. No crashes, nothing ran at a great frame rate. It's like slightly long load time, sure. And you can tell when it's about to be a decision moment because the game kind of stops and you're like, oh, it's like background loading for just a second. But fantastic. I mean, really, to the point where I'm thinking of playing The Wolf, Am- the Wolf Among Us again because it's a fantastic game on Vita just fantastic. to get another platinum and just to see how it runs on Vita. Hey, man, go for it. I wish those Batman games were on the Vita because I would play those again. See, this is a crazy thing. The... 
the three games that everyone, like the first three games, realistically, that they got really known for. So Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us, and uh, Telltale Borderlands. Uh, now I have those three, right? Mm-hmm. They got consistently worse after that. They're great games, but they had crashing problems, bugs. I didn't experience a single bug in this. Oh, I'll take that back. For some reason, the very tail end of a sentence, like it, it was a second sentence at the very end of the game, final chapter, uh, that Omid says. Yeah. Just like the, 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 I have subtitles on, so I saw <laughs> what it was supposed to be. It just didn't say it. Really? And what's more funny is that even though he didn't say it, it didn't change the context of anything. So if you didn't have subtitles on and you didn't know, you would just be like, oh, okay, that was, he was just done talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, but other than that, I had zero problems out of that game. And um, I had countless problems out of both Batman games and the uh, um, um, Guardians of the Galaxy one. But still, yeah. great games. I do think. I'm curious, did you find that you like the adventure game elements that are more present in The Walking Dead than I feel like later games just feel like they became all about decision making? They did. I would say that. Uh, I liked it to a degree. I think it makes them a little less like a quick pick up and play decision. But that's they're not long games to begin with. But it's definitely a little bit more engaging than yeah, like, yeah, let me I'd just see like a story. Nine play hours out. maybe yeah. what that just took me. Probably Which is not long, there. but it's yeah. not long. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Telltale is an interesting thing because all their games were good, but they never hit this peak again. They, they I mean, yeah. it's very hard. This is like I said, I think I said it to you before you finished it. Where I was like, easily the best modern story in video game history, and I think that's still true. I can't think of anything better. And but they never came close to that again. The, the craziest thing is that in the last episode right the the last episode of it so episode five um it started off a little slow to it the point does. where i was like oh man this actually kind of like messed up the really high tension and pacing coming into it from the end of episode four um and so when i started it i was like oh this is i was like man chris gave all this high praise and i was like i'm, I'm a little worried that it's gonna miss the landing and still be a good game that I'm glad I played, but it's going to miss the landing a bit. Yeah. And then right there, like the last half of it, I was like, holy shit, man. It's like, they just, <laughs> they, they decided to give you a calm before the storm, I guess, because yep. yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. And that ending is very effective again, because you are making the decisions. Mm -hmm. So it's very different than seeing someone where a writer said, I'm going to make this character do this. Um, right. Which leads to an interesting thing. You know, I think a while back I asked about whether or not you think of, um, you think of, uh, why can't I think of the shepherd as, a, as an individual character or if you look at it more as something you've projected your will onto. And I got to tell you, Lee, the entire time I was playing the game, I played the game as though I were Lee. Like Lee was just my vessel to be like, this is the kind of person I am. I'm going to be the best person like yeah lee has character like you know he was going to prison he killed somebody i won't say too much more than that but so lee has things that make you look at him and go oh and he has these reasons but then i think of like okay if i were in his shoes and i had done what he did would i tell people what would i tell them Would i withhold certain things would i choose to be honest would i choose to lie and really it was just me exerting my will onto him yeah. i don't know it's I think I've learned that 
when it comes to that, it's also what makes the story so much better is I feel like I had a relationship with Clem rather than Lee had a relationship with Clem. Whereas when I'm playing the last of us, I'm like, Joel has a relationship with Ellie and it's not me. I'm mm-hmm. just controlling Joel, but Joel is a character who does things without my input, but everything that Lee does has my input. Yeah. You're Lee. That's your story where the last of us is you experiencing Joel and Ellie's story. I get that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, last uh, one that I didn't know. I, uh, you were talking about a space invaders game. Well, more like a Galaga style game. I had um, super Destronaut DX. I've had it for a long time on there. At one point in time, I don't remember if I got it from uh, Josh or not. So um, Josh Shoop, he sent me a bunch of Rattalaka codes. So that's where I got like the Siberian code. And I mean, really a bunch of them. I don't know when I got this or if I bought it, but perfectly fine game. Uh, And then I started up right before we came onto the show, um, Super Destronaut Land Wars, which is like a first person shooter variant of it. Oh, where like okay, it's like neon first person shooter block. Like it's nothing crazy, but it's fun. They're very arcadey games. I'll give it a so, look. So you know how you know how Galaga is like single dimension, like you know it's stuff coming down and you just got to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's actually pretty interesting that this is Galaga, but then there's things coming at you from the third dimension that you have to look at. So as you're going side to side, there are like dead bodies of aliens that are of the little things where if you let them hit you, they'll do damage. So you have to pay attention to not only where the monsters are, but where you are so that you, it's interesting. It's kind of like how, um, the Collins game, um, twin breaker kind of gave a new interesting element to a brick breaker. It's like, Oh, okay. Something I hadn't thought of before. Now I got to control two things at once. So yeah, Uh, pretty fun. I looked at that. I think I'll give, end up giving it a try at some point. Nice. Well, hey, we got a question real quick. Uh, and I, I felt like this is a good time to go into it because we're talking about so much. We've both been playing so many older games for the most part. I've played exclusively older games this week. Um, so Jehudi MD, one of our patrons, says, when did you know that you were passionate about PlayStation? Any specific game that pushed you over? Mine was Crash Bandicoot 2 on the original PlayStation. So Chris, of course, longtime listeners like Jehudi can remember when Saul and I did a similar episode where we kind of talked about things like this. But you've talked a little bit about your past of kind of being more of an Xbox kid and then coming into PlayStation midway through PS3, mm-hmm. if I recall. Yeah, yep. So do you know, like, what, when was it that you felt like, Okay, yeah, I'm 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 just a PlayStation dude. Like when did that hit you? <laughs> I mean, it hit me I think I was always like back and forth um until I started to get into trophies. But the story I always tell about when I finally got a PS3 is I went to my buddy Sean's and he had Killzone 2. And at the time playing Killzone 2 was like the coolest thing I'd ever done. And I still remember going home and going to sleep and having a dream about playing Killzone 2 on PS3 and then taking my Xbox to GameStop and trading it in and buying a PS3 with Killzone 2 like almost immediately after that. Uh, and then ever since Dude. then, really, I've had X, uh, PS, PS3s and stuff, PlayStation consoles. So that was my end, was Killzone 2 and my boy Rico. Killzone 2, because I didn't play Killzone 1. So Killzone 2 was not my first entry into the series, but it was my first real one because the other one that I had given was um, I played the PSP one, uh, Liberation. Great game. 
So I was already kind of hyped on Killzone from there. And then they showed two, and I was like, this looks incredible. And not not the CG, this the is fake. gameplay bullshit sure. that <laughs> they accidentally yeah, said. But when they actually first showed it, I was like, this looks incredible. I've never seen anything like this. And then I played it, and I remember like, dude, this is weighty and realistic. And people bitch all the time about the way that Killzone feels. But I'll tell you, Killzone feels so good to me. Because I'm like, I've never played a game that feels like this. And I just, to me, it's like, I, I don't want every shooter game to feel the same. And there's a real novelty to Killzone being like, no, fuck it. Everything's weighty. You have to really think about your body weight. Like when you're moving, you feel like you're running, carrying a gun. I just, I don't know. I liked it. It's so different than a lot of the games where it's like, you're a super soldier and you mm-hmm. have, you know, shield and you can jump 80 feet in the air and your gun weighs nothing to you. I just I like how visceral and realistic Killzone was while still being decidedly sci-fi. Yeah, I'm a big Killzone guy. I would love it if they brought it back. Me too, man. But you know, if nothing else, I've got my memories of Killzone Mercenary, which is essentially <laughs> the perfect blend of Killzone two and three. Yeah, <laughs> and a little it's handheld. Certainly a good game. I'm sad I missed out on the trophies for it, but. Alas. So close. So close. I tried so hard. <laughs> Got so far. But, but in the, the end, end, it really didn't matter. Um, so I think I've probably said this one before, but it was actually Crash Bandicoot 1. But I, I'd say that's what got me to like, oh, I'm hooked and I love PlayStation and I want to do this. But I didn't have my own PlayStation yet, right? At that point, I was still having to play my dad's. So it was <laughs> like we had the Sega that he had gave us, the Genesis. Um, and then I'd have to wait to play that. And I'd play it here and there. And I remember us, when I beat Crash Bandicoot 1, I was like, I felt like I, like I could kill the world. Because I'm like, I was six. <laughs> maybe five running yeah. around and our before we got our new house built when we were young it was we were still in a trailer and i was just running through the trailer like you know arms flexed like because you just feel high in the world um but i'd say it kind of reinvigorated itself for me because that was there but i didn't have the access that i wish i had right uh and once i had full access to it um which was a little late, late in the PS1 lifestyle, uh, life system. We went to my cousin's house and um, played Crash Bandicoot 3. Fantastic game. Loved that game to death. Uh, but he also had Symphony of the Night. And that was the first time I had ever played Symphony of the Night. I didn't even know what it was. I saw this PS1 case with this dope-looking castle on. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? This looks incredible. <laughs> this looks cool as shit. And uh, popped it in. And I played it for like seven hours straight. <laughs> like wow. just sitting there just and yeah that was a great time i mean really that was where i felt like yeah okay i thought i wanted the playstation before but now i want one even more there's a lot of ps1 games that i wish memory served me better on that i would love to try and find again but mm-hmm. yeah it goes all the way back to the original playstation which is something i'm happy about i'm very proud of because i do love playstation and i know they're a company at the end of the day but they have a lot of my love for gaming came specifically from playing PlayStation. Like if it wasn't for PlayStation, I don't know if I'd have ever gotten into gaming to the degree that I am, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. It so. woke something up inside you. It did. And then Kingdom Hearts just kept going and God of you know <laughs> PlayStation was basically responsible for my formative years. <laughs> my parents is my parents were getting divorced. My friends were moving away. You know, 
my dad was, <laughs> I don't want to get into it, but yeah. So thankfully I had, uh, I had video games. That was pretty cool. I'm glad that. So glad good question, fun. Jehudi. Thank you, sir. Um, we have the community's take. We're going to run through now, man. Y'all gave a lot of answers. So I do have a bunch of them on here, but we're going to try and move through this a little quickly. So Chris had, of course, his great idea where he's talking about the blank check last week. And we chose to make that the community stake. So if you're unfamiliar, the community stake is where we, at the end of the episode, we look at something we've either talked about throughout the episode or just think of a fun question of a way to kind of give you guys in the community a chance to give us your feedback, give us your thoughts on things, let us hear differing opinions, things that you love. And sometimes we find really interesting things that we never thought of in that or games that we've never heard of. Uh, so Chris's was, if you were given a blank check by Sony to give to any developer in order to secure a PlayStation exclusive, who would the developer be and what would the game be? New IP from a beloved developer or a return to a beloved IP? Uh, so, of course, we got a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. First one is sh- short, sweet, simple. I knew it, but I had to, I had to get him to say it. Uh, sweet Grand Trismo Jones wants tourist trophy, which it's deep cut. I only know about it because of him, but I'm aware of it in my life now. So Polyphony Digital, of course, have made some games that were not Grand Turismo. Um, the team that went on to make Gran Turismo actually made a game that I adore that is called uh, Motor Tune Grand Prix. And Ooh. they made that, and I have that game, love that. But they also made this little motorcycle game called Tourist Trophy in between like Gran Turismo 2 and 3, or maybe it was between 3 and 4. Um, it was a PS2 game. Ryan is a... a diehard just steadfast fan and he wants them to one day return to something sim related but not necessarily car focused so there you are polyphony digital Uh, stingray x one of our patrons he says i want sony to acquire level five and make the third dark cloud give us the cell shaded feel with the mechanics of two without the time travel and a vast open world so chris i've never played this is my confession moment i've never played either of the dark cloud games no i have not I don't know. I don't know if I've even played a level five game. I never played Ugh. White Knight Chronicles. I thought I might because it looked interesting, and then I just didn't. I never played Nino Cooney. I've watched someone play it. I played some of Nino Cooney, so I have played it. So yeah, I mean, I don't have that love there, but I know people do love it. Speaking on the cell shaded feel, um, maybe I'm crazy, but first and foremost, The Walking Dead on Vita. Looked fantastic. I was really impressed. I'm like, this looks great for a Vita game, which it was, of course, a console port, so it makes sense. I kind of like the comic booky look. I don't disagree. I don't. I don't mind it. I kind of think I like the way that this is kind of feels weird, but I kind of think I like the way that the Wolf Among Us and the Walking Dead look in comparison to the later Telltale games. There's something more artistically driven about them to me. Like the just the right like oversized proportions for eyeballs and stuff, but still looking good, but in a stylistic manner. Yeah. I don't know. I really was impressed with how it looked and it ran pretty well on Vita. You want so. stylized bug eyes, right? Yeah, why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let me get them. So while I, I I forgot to say it earlier, weird question for you, Chris. I realized yeah, as I was rolling credits on, on lunch for um, The Walking Dead, 
um, cleaning right up all end, your tissues. I was, I was, I was tearing up. I really was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was. So whenever Normal. I posted the the platinum for uh, Rude Cold, one of our patrons, longtime listeners, he was like, "Did you cry? Because if you didn't, you're dead inside." Great point, dude. The ending is really powerful, and like I said to a degree that felt far more gut-punching than The Last of Us. Uh-huh. Uh, a game I also... And interesting, I cried at the beginning of The Last of Us. I tear up there. 100%. Uh, and I don't think I really do the rest of the game, you know? But this game was right at the end when it kind of felt like, oh, wow, here's the moment. And it was so strong. And I realized this credits were rolling. It's like, I, know I, pl- I know it's a console game, technically. But I realized up until today, I don't think I've ever teared up or cried over a handheld game. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have either, so. That's the power of Vita, baby. <laughs> we should get the Pine Saw lady back in and do a whole new Vita ad campaign. That's yeah. all it needed. <laughs> Just <laughs> Vita means tears. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, let's see. Next one up. No Fate, one of our patrons, says, I have to give credit to Sony for allowing their studios to still put passion into their exclusives. I would use it to acquire EA and give back the passion, the main goal of giving Microsoft's Call of Duty a real challenge for best first-person shooter. Titanfall, Bad Company, Medal of Honor. What I really want, surprised it hasn't already happened, um, I don't know what he's talking about. He says, I'm surprised it has already happened with Battlegrounds. I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe PUBG? What are Battlegrounds? PUBG. As well, oh, did they rename the game just Battlegrounds? No, it's. I think they named it. They renamed it to PUBG. Players Unknown. <laughs> oh, from Players Unknown? <laughs> yeah. Battleground? Interesting. Uh, anyway, he says, is a Transformers themed twisted metal style game, vehicle mode for speed defense and bot mode for more powerful special attacks. The idea writes itself. Uh, I love that idea, actually. And I'm a little surprised that it's not been made. I think that's a great, great, great idea. I do uh, like it. It kind of exists because in Twisted Metal Black, um, Sweet Tooth's special move is that the head on the ice cream truck goes in and kind of folds up and he becomes a mech that runs around and you shoot. That's enough proof of concept for me because it's one of the most fun special moves in the entire Twisted Metal series. So, um, yeah, I think you've got a winner on your hands. I don't know who has the Transformers game rights at this particular moment, if anyone does, but last I know it was Activision. So hit up Activision. (laughs) Oh, wait, they're in the middle of something. I think they're busy. But you could always try. They're busy having all of their studios make Call of Duty. <laughs> hey, there's that new Crash Bandicoot thing. Crash Bandicoot Rumble, I think it is. Yeah, Crash Rumble, something like that. Don't look good. Yeah. don't. Yeah, it's not a game for me. But I do think it's at least priced better because I think it's only $40 or $30, one of those two. It's, mm. it's priced to a point where I'm like, okay. Because if, if you try to tell me that was a $60 game, that ain't it, dog. Uh, let's see. Robert Phillips says, give me Rockstar and make oh. The Punisher. Oh, okay, okay. So that's a game he wants to see. There you are. Would it be uh, okay, Rockstar next, who's the best pick for that, though? For The Punisher? Yeah. I was trying to think through. Like, okay, so if you, have a, like, if you had to give three devs that you'd be okay with seeing attached to a game for The Punisher, who would it be? I, I feel like, do you know where I feel like this is coming from? I feel like he's thinking about, because you know, if you think about Punisher, he's pretty brutal, right? Yeah. I think they're looking at like Manhunt Rockstar. Yeah, okay. 
I still don't think the that's Warriors, the best pick for Punisher. The Warriors rock star. You know, it's like combat driven. But okay, so who do you think? Uh, Remedy, first one that came to mind. That seems like it would be a... Actually, yeah. But I feel like the thing that would end up happening is that I feel like Max Payne already is kind of Punisher-y. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think that that's not on purpose. But then I think that the problem you end up with is that you just get a game that feels like Max Payne again. And yeah, but that's okay. I would just make Max Payne the Punisher. And go, I mean, it would be good. No, but I'm talking I just don't literally. Think it would feel as a Max Payne in uh, the Be- suit, but with the becomes skull. the Punisher. Yeah, no. Um, I think th- this is a weird pick. It's not. No, the Coalition. I would take if I could get them really? away. Yeah, give me a third-person cover-based shooter about the Punisher. It seems kind of like the perfect pick. Okay. All right, one more. Okay. You got one more in you? Yeah, this one's off the wall, but I'm going with it. Uh, Persona team. <laughs> so like a Japanese-inspired <laughs> Punisher? Yeah. Yep. I you feel can't. like it would... I feel like it would end up going way overboard and it would end up being like the Punisher, but meets Elfin Lied. I don't know if you've ever seen Elfin Lied. I've Lied. never seen that. You should uh, look up a little bit of it. Yeah. The Punisher okay. meets uh, the Punisher meets Helsing. All right. I'll have to look it up. Helsing's also a sick anime. Oh my God. I'm just saying, if so you think good. about the Punisher and like it's a. It's just exactly like Persona, but it's the Punisher as the guy leading the Phantom Thieves. You've got like Daredevil in there with him, and I don't know Batman. <laughs> like it would be so. Great. Basically, it's Marvel's Midnight Suns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, let's see. We got Shafe Dog Two Four Seven, TT Dog, and Jehudi all kind of on the same page here. So Shafe Dog starts off says, "I'd write two checks." Ooh, so okay. he's Two stretching checks. the rules, but we're going to assume that he took the one check and just photocopied it mm-hmm. and was, was like, you know, they'll have to forgive me. He just he wrote the next check half. number. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, okay, check number 327669. Okay, 327670. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he says, I'd write two checks. One to Blue Point to remake the Resistance series. Mm. my man the second i'd write to microsoft to get the ips for blue dragon and quantum break would really like blue dragon to be reimagined by pixel opus which is a crazy studio choice but i'm not against it and he says and the quantum break game also remastered and worked to begin on a sequel but i'd give this to sony bend Hmm. i don't hate that choice i I really don't because they should be working on days gone too days gone too i know it (laughs) And Blue Point's Blue Point is busy with Bloodborne too, so you got some <laughs> problems. But I like where your head's we'll, at on it. We'll let it go. Uh, so on the back of that, TT Dog Six Six Six, one of our patrons, he says Mistwalker, uh, and so that is of course a developer. And I learned something this week. Subs out of doing a show like this, right? Uh, I knew that Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon were exclusives to 360, but I always thought they were Square Enix exclusives, like the, the Last Remnant. They're not. <laughs> Those two games uh, were from Mistwalker. So that is news to me. Or maybe Blue Dragon wasn't. I think it was, though. Um, but yeah, Mistwalker is a developer um, that the creator of 
Final Fantasy went off and made separately. So, yeah, he says he wants a proper follow-up to Lost Odyssey. Once you got past the first city, that was one of the first, one of the best JRPGs of the 360 PS3 generation. I think the Lost Odyssey and The Last Remnant both got PS4, Xbox One ports, did they not? I know The Last Remnant did. I don't think Lost Odyssey did. I can check that okay. while you read the next one. Yeah, curiosity. And then Jehudi MD comes back in, one of our patrons, mirroring that as well. It says, get back the people who worked on Resistance and remaster the original games and then release a new game in that universe that is a triple-A survival horror first-person shooter. That's an interesting choice, actually. If you feel like, okay, well, can Resistance survive as what it was, then why don't you just lean further into some of the more horrific parts of what the series did have to offer? Definitely games like 3, where it went decidedly darker and uh, a little bit more of like a Bioshock tone to it and uh, maybe even like a Mad Maxi tone to certain areas. I think you could pull that off. I don't think you want to make it full on, but I think you give it a lot more survival horror, almost like Metro does, but you make sure you don't lean too far into what Metro's doing. I think that could be cool. That's a good choice. Uh, last one we're going to do here, Kai Grimm says, he's one of our patrons as well, Community's Take is a tough question for me, but it goes back to a similar question in the past where I would love to have a new SOCOM. Uh, the yearly Call of Duty just doesn't do it for me anymore, and behind large-scale advertising, I could see SOCOM heavily invested in and to make a solid comeback. That or make Counter-Strike on the PlayStation 5 and put effort... Uh, and care into it. I'd bring in servers and allow you to purchase a server to be able to customize to your liking. Specific maps option for no AWP gun. <laughs> bring back my middle school years and early high school on the PC to consoles. The range of being able to do so builds communities with ranking systems and having a community discord specifically just for that Um just for that Counter-Strike server. I could only dream of reliving those years, some of my favorite times playing a game online. I just got home from work, so I rambled a bit, but that's what I would do if I had a blank check from Sony. One of those two games with that option of customization. It's always nice when you can pick a trusted server full of good people and regulars, sort of like the Discord we have here. Well, thank you, good sir. Uh, the ability to play one of the most popular genres of online gaming with your whole community night after night is truly something I miss in gaming. Um you know, Chris, you're far more online-driven in gaming than I am, but I have had my spats with very heavily online-focused games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that I don't know that my drive to play online is gone so much as my time is not there to where I'd rather use the time to play unique stories and experiences than I yeah. would trying to schedule. <laughs> Part of it's schedule, too, right? Like... I love playing games with you when we get the chance to. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Our, our schedules so seldom line up that it's almost an impossibility. And the same with my friends. Like, you know, I don't really play games with Saul very often. I don't play games with uh, my buddy Seth very often. I don't play games with, I play games with Donovan probably more than anyone. Um, and it's like I have to really plan and make that. So it's like, I think most of it is that instead of trying to chase the years of my youth where I could make that happen on a whim, I just kind of focus elsewhere. But I do love online gaming. It definitely has its place. Yeah, I'm kind of at a point where (laughs) I tend to... I apologize for any of my friends are listening. But I tend to just turn on my PS5 and immediately just set myself offline. Because I'm like, if you invite me, I'm going to play with you. But I kind of just want to play Resident Evil 4 right now, you know? 
which has resulted in a lot less. Like I haven't played Apex in two, three months. I haven't played Diablo since that one week because I'm like, I just don't want to be in a party. You know, like I just don't want to play that way. So it's becoming less of a thing for me for sure. Well, you know, I hear lately, I've been in just a funk in general. Like, you know, I talked about being in a gaming funk, but I think I've just been in a slight, it's one of those weird things where you don't want to say it because it makes you sound weird and maybe weak, even though we all go through it. I think I've just been in like a light depression lately. I get that. Where it's like, I just, I don't think I have much. It's like, I'm pushing myself to do the things I have to do, like work on the house next door and stuff. But I think I've been way more focused on like, I've been, some nights I just stopped gaming. Like last night, I I probably could have gotten the platinum in Walking Dead last night. And I was just like, it's 830, it's pitch black outside, but I'm not feeling great. I mean, like I'm just going to go out and ride this motorcycle. And I felt really good just riding around and being outside and just kind of being away from everything. I don't know. It's I've had a weird go of it lately. And actually, I can go ahead and, and throw this out there. You may have noticed that last week's video version of the episode didn't go up. I had like the first day I was trying to get it up, I had a little computer issue. And I just kind of let that be my excuse to not do it the rest of the week. I just could not bring myself to do it. And so I did it Monday. <laughs> I did it yesterday. I got the episode up. And I've still yet to even make a thumbnail. I've just been like, I don't know. I've been in that while I'm doing the episode, I'm good because like, I, I guess there's like the accountability of you being on here with me. <laughs> but the moment that that goes out, it's like, I'm just kind of going bare minimum. I guess in my mind, I'm like, most people listen, not nearly as many people watch. So it's not as big of a deal. Work's been crazy busy. Life's been crazy busy. So I don't know. I'm, it's It's been a weird time. And I think that that's impacting that because for a while there on Saturdays, I'd play online with my friends and I haven't done that in forever either. So, yeah, we all, <sighs> it all ha- it happens to the best of us, man. I get it. You'll just have to hire, yeah, you an know, editor. I, th- I think I needed that. Uh, I think I needed that good cry from the walking dead earlier just to, just to get a good cry <laughs> out. You know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes you just need that. <laughs> you need, to, you need to, to balance your chi with a good cry. I understand it. Yeah, man. You know, I know that Dane Cook can sometimes be a, a contentious. Like people don't always love him as a comedian, but he's got this joke in uh, his stand-up rough around the edges where he talks about sometimes you just go home and it's like you just need a good cry and you just break down, <laughs> start crying. <laughs> and it's true. It's funny because it's true. Um, and, you know, normally I can't allow myself to do that unless something pushes me. So, um, yeah, I got pushed. <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. So let's see. We're gonna go, we're gonna jump into the news. There's not a ton to talk about. Uh, first piece up here, and actually, before we get too far in there, first and foremost, if you're liking the show, and I know I just admitted to being lazy about it, listen, we're just taking an opportunity to be truthful about what's going on. But if you're enjoying the show and you like what we have going on, if you're watching on YouTube, consider subscribing, talking to us in the comments. We love to hear from you guys. If you're listening on a podcast service and it gives you the ability. Uh, to subscribe, please feel free to do so. If it gives you the ability to rate and or review the show, consider doing that. It helps people find the show, lets us know what you do and don't like about it. It's led us to things like timestamps and being cognizant of where we put certain segments like the Velvet uh, Corner that we know not everyone's into. Uh, It's a clearly ridiculous part of the show. So we choose to put it at the end purposely so that there's a clean, easy spot for people to drop out of who don't want to do that, who want to be a little more focused on the actual fully gaming talk, whereas Velvet's Corner can go anywhere. Um, So, 
yeah, it, it, basically, we appreciate it if you, uh, can if come you go that extra mile for us. <laughs> That's true. Comes uh, and so goes. first piece of news, uh, something wicked this way comes. I, I still stand by that being a, <laughs> a fantastic chapter, the final chapter of uh, the Triangle Squared game that we talked about. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah. That's a good name. Uh, okay, first piece of news. Ubisoft will be showing what's next for The Division on Thursday, April 20th. They will show the year five of The Division 2. That does not feel like five years ago. More on The Division Heartland <laughs> no, and a mobile game, a Division Resurgence. Watch on Ubisoft Twitch and YouTube channels. Thursday's presentation will begin at 11 a.m. PDT, 2 p.m. EDT, 7 p.m. GMT, and 8 p.m. CEST. And if you live in one of the other T's, then guess what? You're just going to have to do the conversion because uh, Chris is not a machine. He gave you not. four time periods. So that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I did what I can. <laughs> you know, whenever whenever your Vita sits for a long time and then dies and you have to restart it, it's, I'm always like GMT plus eight. <laughs> I don't know. I have to figure out what it actually is. Um but yeah, good time. I'm so glad you're playing Vita. Yeah. Also, I was looking <laughs> through my trophies because, like, you know, you used to have to sync with the server on Vita because it's yep. old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very old. And I realized that I pretty much don't play my Vita unless whatever I'm playing, I'm going to platinum because my entire Vita on system trophy list Plats. is almost entirely platinum. So there's like maybe two games that are not. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, though. It's a good yeah, it's pretty percentage. good. I, I was looking. I was like, "Wow, this is kind of impressive." Like, I don't know, man. It's it's perfect. These games are perfect for what you know for what I've been going through. Just throw on something, throw on some TV, and just be able to be present while playing something stupid with a little bit of challenge to it. Good time. Uh, let's see. Next piece of news: WB has announced Quidditch Champions, a complete standalone Quidditch experience that engages players in the sport of Quidditch and other broomstick adventures alongside friends and a. Competitive multiplayer setting. That's their quote they chose to give. Um, the game has been in development for several years at Unbroken Studios, a studio whose biggest project thus far has been collaborating with Rocksteady on Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. Sign-ups for playtesting. The game are open now. So, Chris, first and foremost, you called it. I think the only thing I would say is I don't necessarily feel like you called it. It would be another developer. You may have It may have been implied. But I definitely well, took it as you saying that Avalanche would be the one to break it off and make it separate, and I felt like that was not going to be the case. So no, I'm I, give it, I think we were both right in a capacity because I definitely thought this was coming. I'm just going to take the win. You can have your win if you want to <laughs> force your way into a win. Um, I was right, and I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take it. I well, had no inclination. Look, hey, I just you can knew have the W. I just knew there was no chance they were going to let. A game, a game that was very clearly monetizable, be a DLC for Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, just made no, one, the, the moment, the moment that they said that um, it was going to not be in Hogwarts Legacy, I'm like, oh, it's going to be somewhere. No, yeah. not in Hogwarts Legacy. I prefer. And this, it makes though. sense. Like, you know, no, I think it's the right move. Because while I get people would want to live that fantasy out with this character they've created as part of this bigger world. I don't think that the mechanics necessary for Quidditch would either you'd waste way too much time developing ones that are actually competent enough for it to work inside of Hogwarts Legacy. And then it feels like you created this entire set of mechanics that only really works in this one game mode 
that would be to the detriment of the game, in my opinion, because it would have taken development resources away somewhere else. And then secondarily, it probably still wouldn't have been as good as this is going to be being bespoke, standalone, only Quidditch. You don't have to worry about getting on and off the broom. All you got to worry about is how does the broom feel? How do you choose to maneuver it? How does this work with these mechanics? It's a smarter use. Having a team that's making an RPG for all intents and purposes be like, okay, how do we perfect a broomstick sport is a waste of effort and time. Yeah, I would <laughs> completely agree. <laughs> like if I was the one in the team and we we're like, hey, we want to do Quidditch, I'd be like, fucking no. <laughs> that is that's a terrible idea. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. W- very few games do it, and most of the time it's turn-based to some degree, kind of like uh, Final Fantasy X. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have that game mode in there. You have Blitzball, but it's a lot easier to pull off in the world and styles of Final Fantasy X because it's, it's turn-based. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's very different. Um, but yeah, you have any thoughts on that outside of the fact that uh, you kind of you had a hunch? You knew it no, was I don't. I don't. You know, I don't think I need to give my thoughts again. Like I went through everything I would I would say here when I when we talked about it last. So sure, you think I don't have play much this? else to add? Hundred percent. I have zero interest in this. <laughs> oh, I want to play this very badly. <laughs> I'm not a Harry Potter fan of that degree, though. So it oh, I'm a huge sense, Harry you know? Potter fan, and I was uh, I was left a little cold by Hogwarts Legacy. So I do. I need to find another entrance into that world. Until it's the be funny H- when until you the uh, dip out of this. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm not. I don't. I don't know that it's going to be like my next. You play Apex, it for ten minutes. It's, it's <laughs> gonna. Like, it's gonna find the problem of everything else, right? It could. It could be awesome, like multiverses. Mm. Awesome game. I couldn't get a single person to play it with me, and it's going to be the same situation here. See, that is the problem with online gaming, though, is that no one. And I don't know if this has always been the case. I feel like used to people were more willing to just hop randomly online and just meet people. Great part of VR. I am hopping on with John, but then we're just talking with the whole group. We don't even stay in our party chat. We start a party chat just to get set up, and then we switch to game chat. And somehow Pavlov has that feeling. But I feel like most online games, everyone's like, I don't want to hear everyone's bullshit and the kid listening to, you know, <laughs> Limp Biscuit too loud on the, which I love Limp Biscuit, but you know, it's like people listening to the music that's crackling the microphone or like a fan yeah. in the background constantly going or kids crying and just like, this is a fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> people yelling. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, that's the biggest issue with online games. I, I if look, it's just if look it's Sean free, dead in his face. Yeah, <laughs> look Sean dead in the eyes and say, "I played Destiny two for months." <laughs> yeah, I did do that. Like, I need this, bro. See, but I have to do that with Baldur's Gate. I'm saving my bullets for Baldur's Gate, even though I know yeah, I know he'll play it. I got to save my bullets for you. <laughs> that's true. But you got some bullets for him too. I do. I got bullets for everybody. I write your you name, a on with his name on it. Uh huh. <laughs> I got his picture. Um, but yeah, it's going to be... I, I'm interested to try it. We'll see how long yeah. it lasts, but I'm looking forward to it. 
All right, moving along. Next piece of news. Media Molecules co-founder Mark Healy has announced that after 17 years with the company, he is leaving the studio. This comes off the heels of the studio announcing that they were ending support for Dreams in the form of updates, allowing the title to live on with its servers intact, uh, like we talked about last week. Despite his leaving, it seems he isn't leaving the industry altogether as he closes his announcement with, quote, so here's to new beginnings following one's heart and exploring the unknown. He added in conclusion, I'm off on a pirate adventure, one that involves making games, that is. Uh, I wonder if that's a hint in any way, shape, form. Is he joining the Skull and Bones team? <laughs> oh, see, I had a better prediction than that one. Uh, rare. Oh, yeah. Ah, that would actually be interesting because, I don't know, man. We have a question in response to this. So we'll, we'll go ahead and move on to it because, I mean, the news is pretty cut and dry for what it is. Uh, Rude Days 93, one of our patrons, he says, so Media Molecule isn't in the best of spots now. If you're Sony, what are you doing with them? Assuming shutting them down is out of the question, are you sending them back to Sackboy or possibly a new IP? So, Chris, we kind of loosely talked about this last week with the what would they even think about closing them down. So this is looking more at the... Shutting them down is not on the table. What do you do with them? I think you just look at them and go, make a goddamn game this time, and then you leave. Because <laughs> honestly, if it was me, because of all the BAFTA stuff and all that, I would have just had a skeleton crew there and let them continue maintaining dreams. Like, we'll give you a million bucks a year to pay yourselves and make this game. Go do that. Be in the corner. Um, I'm glad that they're making another game, but if it was me, I would have just had them you take a, siphon some money out of there, invested in other places, and just been like, you guys are the dream studio. Make a way that I can that I can publish my games through Dream. Like that's one of the big things they didn't do. They didn't put on PC, and then people who were making games in dreams were just making games in dreams. Like, why couldn't I submit my finished game to Sony and get it on the store? Get me a trophy list, you know. And then that long before you even joined the the podcast, um, that was a thing that Saul and I were talking about, right? Is that I remember saying like my when when Dreams before it even came out, my ideal version of Dreams included a way for people to download the Dreams player on PS4. And whenever you're done with your game, you can upload it to the Dreams player, and people who do not own Dreams can choose to download your game through the Dreams player and play it. Or even buy it. My my hope is that you can download anyone's creation within Dreams, but then whenever you you reach a certain level, you submit it to Media Molecule with a price tag. Media Molecule and Sony take uh, part of the money from that, and then they send the rest of it off to you. They start working towards building relationships with budding developers, getting them used to working with you know the creative endeavors, and then maybe even use that to continue to boost the studio like they did with Little Big Planet. They you know. A, Bethesda does with Skyrim modders and stuff um, while also having a very cool customer focus, like community focused thing of like, Hey, you can come and make games and make money. It may not be a ton, but your time can be rewarded with something. People can play it without owning the game. There's a marketplace here. There's a way to do this. And then if it expanded to PC or something else, it just continues to get even cooler. It's like, ah, oh, great. You can do something elsewhere. You can do something so much cooler, but, um, I feel like I don't know because you weren't much of a Little Big Planet guy, right? Because you're not big on platformers. I was not. Okay, I love that 
the game. That series is fantastic. Sackboy is fantastic. But here's the thing. That series has pretty much been taken over by um, Sumo. Uh, Sumo Digital. And I don't necessarily know that giving it back to Media Molecule is going to do much. Mark Healy, who's leaving the studio, was the creative director on both Little Big Planet 1 and 2. <laughs> so for any of the magic that they had, which they absolutely did, Sackboy is a mascot for PlayStation. He was a much bigger one during the PS3 era. I think what you get into is... the Like, you look at a studio like Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch has been able to consistently make high-performing mascots and new IPs, basically, for PlayStation. Media Molecule started off great with Little Big Planet. And then every one that they've done since then has kind of just not hit the expectations anyone thought. Like, um, Tearaway is a fantastic game. Incredibly creative. Really fun. Beautiful. And I even think the ideas behind the game and the character Iota or Atois are really good. But it just didn't catch steam for whatever reason. Maybe it's because Sony was leaning so heavy into those third-person, adult-driven games that people weren't looking at Tearaway. Possibly it's because it was on Vita, but even when it hit PS4 years later, it wasn't really looked at in any strong way. I don't know what the answer is here, but I feel like it has to be new IP. Well, the only reason I could see... Little Big Planet going back to Media Molecule is that uh, Sumo Digital is now owned by Tencent. It's true, but so, Tencent has no reason to not want Sumo to make games for other people. I'm not just saying Sumo's that. Entire thing, you know. I'm saying maybe it's cheaper to just hand the reins back to to uh, first party studio Media? than yeah, possible splitting the the seventy percent. I guess it's a hundred percent because it's Sony, but splitting the money with Tencent. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I don't That's think fair. Tencent would have a problem with them working on it. Just no, I think I think that's a fair point. I, I think the question here comes down to: Did he leave because he wanted to leave? Did he leave because he was kind of pushed out by Sony, being like, "Hey, we appreciate what you've done for us, but your value to the company over the years has just slipped so much that we're just basically going to ask you to leave." <laughs> yeah, like we're not firing you so much that we're just like encouraging you out of the door. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know because I would imagine at a certain point too, it's also like you're killing the thing that you've been I've wanted to work on, or you've been having me work on for the last what seven years. So I'm moving on now. What maybe he didn't think Dreams was done, and he's mad about it, or maybe he just doesn't want to work on. He doesn't want to start from fre- start fresh on his own thing. I don't know. There's tons of reasons. It could be any of them, of course. I think where I'd go is start using Media Molecule for the fact that they are a well-known and beloved creative industry, but not enough people know them by name. So start kind of working towards what you started doing with Pixel Opus, which we need to see more from them. But I think Pixel Opus give me Media Molecule vibes where it's like interesting gameplay mechanics uh, with little cutesy stories that are kind of played into it. Uh, I think that Sony has a need for that amidst all of these very adult-driven games. Mm -hmm. You've just got to find a way to channel it and also find a way to make sure that you're budgeting for it and setting sales expectations that are reasonable and understanding that Media Molecule is not a very expensive studio to keep open. 
it's worth the good PR and the good general feel of having a studio that is putting out creative, interesting things. But as much as I think Dreams is a great idea, I do agree with you. I think their next game has to be a game. Mm-hmm. And here's my other question. Do they need Sackboy when they have Astro? Who's just cooler Sackboy? I think Sackboy is personally better. Uh, partially because of the way that they go about having Sackboy work within all of the costumes. That doesn't really make as much sense for Astrobot. Yeah, but they do it in the game. Nah, kind of. Kind of. Almost all of those. Yes, I get what you're trying to say. characters. Yeah, I get what you're trying to say. And I do. I think realistically, yes, Astrobot is trying to hit the same level. And Astrobot arguably may have been more successful more recently. I don't know. I don't know how well Sackboy performed. Uh, you know the the a big adventure. Mm-hmm. So I can't say. Um, you know what it is. I mean so, I, that it's hard to compare because Astro like is a. If we're t- talking about success in terms of how many people played it, Astro wins no matter what. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's free hard to included compare. game, no matter what you exactly. do. Yeah. I would love to see them because um, now that you have a Vita, you probably aren't that interested in it, but it's a very interesting use of the Vita. And even though it's platforming, a lot of it's platforming that involves the Vita's very specific functions. If you ever just get a weird whim, you should try Tearaway. It's a I've really creative to. game. I've always so it, it. it. It's worth seeing what some cool ideas can come from. But I think that Dreams is always too, like, it's a great idea, but if you're not going to move it and do something more interesting with it, like put it on PC and open it to a bigger fan base and let it be something that could maybe one day push you to the point of being like what Fortnite's doing right now, then, okay, fine, move on. Your next game's got to be a real game that people can talk about and start being like, ah, this is Sony's Nintendo-like quality. So, like, the Astrobot developer... um, Media Molecule and Pixel Opus can be like their their trinity of developers that make very artsy, fun, beloved games with unique, weird ideas and twists. And they're all relatively small. They're all relatively cheap to give games to. And you don't worry about them being massively successful. You worry about them making breaking even and making maybe a little bit of profit. And you just let them be good PR use for you. Because at the end of the day... uh, Tokyo RPG Factory, kind of like them. Yeah, well, for what those games don't sell crazy for Nintendo. No, they don't. But they do a great job of keeping the way that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but they make games almost exclusively for Nintendo. Tokyo RPG Factory. Yeah. No, they did the the right one, right? Like I am. No, I am am Setsuna. Those are all on PlayStation. Oh, are they? Yeah. I actually, I know I am Setsuna is, but I feel like didn't they make some of the. Now you got me questioning myself. They made that um, Sphere game, something Sphere. Odin Sphere, Lift Risers? That's on PlayStation. No, it's not that. Now you got me questioning myself, Tokyo RPG Factory. Um, I knew they did our I Am Setsuna. Uh, Lost Sphere and then Onanaki. Onanaki is on PlayStation. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, but either way, yeah, there is just a simple studio that gets something and it acts as like a, Hey, this is a good use of our money just to make sure that people have a certain feeling about us, which square benefits from that. Right. Kind of like re- regardless of how well Octopath does, 
at the end of the day, games like Octopath and Triangle Strategy, as long as they're doing well enough to make a little bit of money, they help keep the idea of Square Enix's past alive, which is good for PR. Even though you want your Final Fantasy 16 to be the thing that catches the world on fire. Like, you don't want any of your games to do bad, and Sony doesn't want any of their games to do bad either. But it's like, for all of your Aloys and Jin Sakai's and all that stuff, have a sack boy and an Astrobot, and uh, you know, have a couple of not so crazy ones like forever it never really just hit and worked right but knack 2 is such a phenomenal game that that was that's the idea i'm telling you knack 2 is a phenomenal game it sounds like you're memeing so blame the memes every every fiber of of, knack 1 is a completely fine mediocre in the true sense of the word game like i liked it enough it was fun i played it enjoyed it never bothered platinuming it Knack 2 is so much better in every <clears throat> regard. The writing is impeccable. The gameplay, so much better. The story is surprisingly mature. You're like, man, you just, I need you to trust me on this. <laughs> if you play Baldur's Gate 3 with me, I will play Knack. I don't think you'll like Knack because it is still a platforming game. But just throwing that out there. I'll play, I'll play Baldur's Gate with you. You'll, I you'll just, have to play I just Knack. want Knack 2 is, is co op. Oh no! We going I've for already the plat- got the. Tri- I've already got. I've already got the platinum, baby. Oh God, he's all. I've had it out. since the game came out. Yeah, knack two, baby. Knack attack. Mm-hmm. Knack two, <laughs> the knackening. That's, oh, that's always what I wanted it to be called. <laughs> I hate that. Ah, uh, it's okay. Continue on, my wayward son. Uh, continue on. All right. Speaking of Suicide Squad, rumors have swirled around the release of the game, but nothing official had been said by the studio or publisher until now. We've been talking about this for a bit. Rocksteady announced in a JPEG on Twitter, it's true, that the game would need more time to cook and will now release to my chagrin February 2nd, 2024. Um, so as you may remember, that was one of the titles I chose for the Metacritic draft. And all year it has been hitting me as a bad choice, even if it did hit this year, <laughs> but a game in the sixties and seventies is better than a zero, which is what happens when a game just moves completely out of this year. Yes, um, it is. So unfortunately I am now no longer in first place in this competition. <laughs> no. Is this a good time for a Metacritic draft update? Yeah, quickly. You go ahead. <laughs> uh, Chris is in the lead with 69 points, and Brett is now behind with 62. It's not as detrimental of a drop as it could have been. It's only eight points or nine That's points. A, I think it was 71. You were That's, at 71. It's, it's a big, it's a big drop. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. This it, is a bad choice. And, but listen, it happens. Because guess what, Brett? I'm about to pick a game that might put me in a bad position too. I'm curious as to what it is because yeah. I've I've been debating a game, but I want to hear what yours is before I I'm not going to say anything until I know for <sighs> sure. Well, I think I'm going to risk it for the biscuit, and I'm putting Alan Wake two on my list. <sighs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> that's if it exactly comes out, what I was thinking about. I got some faith. If you want, I'm willing to let you have it. It's a risky pick. If no, you really no, want no, 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 it. it's. It's okay. Like I said, I've been debating it. I hadn't decided yet. So if anyone is curious, that would be my second added pick, which means I have one more. Brett's has two. That's he took Phantom Liberty. 
That's right. I think that was a smart choice. I'm be honest with you. Phantom Liberty. I think Cyberpunk has had yeah cyber uh, no uh, Cyberpunk. I think Alan Wake is a. I think Alan Wake will do well enough if it releases this year. I don't think it'll be a detriment to you. No, I don't. They keep insisting as we're going to talk about, but I don't know. I'm I'm iffy on it, but I want it in case it does well. This seems like a game that, like a month before release, they're gonna be like, ah, to get the best product, we had to move it to January. (laughs) (laughs) It's now coming the third of January. Yeah, I do, Um, but I don't want to miss it if it does come out. And I have, uh, I think it's fair. I have some zero buffer room on you right now, so. Mm, you do. Uh, but yeah, I think Phantom Liberty is a smart choice. I think I Cyberpunk agree. went through its redemption arc, and I think it's ready to get the to love. And then this is a, something that's been developed from the ground up, knowing that these limitations aren't there. They're not having to account for last-gen systems. Uh, they kind of know what people did and didn't like about Cyberpunk's base game. So they've been able to really tailor this toward that. I think this will get that. Maybe not quite as strong because it's not riding the same high as The Witcher had throughout the entire run. But I think this will get pretty close to the blood and wine levels of love. So, and Heart of Stone, the two Witcher DLCs. Yeah. Which are quite beloved DLCs. Oh, yeah. No, I have full confidence it'll be good. So, yeah. I'm very excited for it. And, you know, I'm not normally one for DLC, but Cyberpunk is so good. And and because of the fact that as much as I love Cyberpunk, I was still disappointed with the issues it had. I'm ready to go in and play something that's Cyberpunk that's unfamiliar to me a little bit because it's going to be new content and probably new mechanics without any of the the bad parts that I had to deal with. Like, I don't know. I don't know how bad Cyberpunk is on PS5. I still haven't played it at all on PS5. I'm still talking. All of my thoughts are from launch. <laughs> We're playing it on cool. PS5 at launch. Um, 80 crashes which we have I PTSD had. for. Yeah. <laughs> I do want There's to do a reason a new I didn't go for platinum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because if you're like yeah. me, you'd have to play it twice. Yeah. Which I mean, at this point, I'm I'll have to play a, it a second time anyway. So <laughs> I'm having a hard time uh, playing it a third time. Or, yeah, third time. I want to, but that sounds like a lot. So we'll see. I get it. Uh, let's see. Next thing up, April's PlayStation Plus games have been announced. So uh, these are the classic titles and just general titles. So what we have here is PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium tiers. So we're looking at that. Of course, we already know the month's um, essential games. The Extra and Premium tiers will be getting Kena, Bridge of Spirits, Doom Eternal, Riders Republic, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, Slay the Spire, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, uh, The Evil Within, Wolfenstein the Old Blood, Bassmaster Fishing, Paradise Killer, Sackboy A Big Adventure. A really solid list of games, both first and third party, uh, and second party to that uh, extent, considering Kena and um, you know Sackboy in some capacity. Uh, PlayStation Plus Premium is getting Doom, Doom 2, Doom 64, Doom 3, and Dishonored Definitive Edition. I don't understand why Bethesda has seemed to give way more stuff to, P- to PS Plus since they've been bought out from Microsoft. Yeah, it's, it's, odd, it's odd. But this is your time to play Dishonored Definitive Edition, which has all the DLC, The Witches of Brigmore, The Knife of Dunwall, the base game. It is such a great, such a great game. <laughs> and yep. then immediately hop into Dishonored 2 because it's even better. Yeah, Brett's 100% Ooh. right. It is such a game. 
It is such a game. Dishonored's <laughs> great. You don't listen to Chris. Chris is what we call a hater. I mean, Chris has been proven right by developers in this very episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, no, solid month. I think that's a it's good a month, good month. Uh, for that. Even if a lot of the games I already have and see, but I always have that like secondhand excitement of like, even if I already have the game, knowing that a lot more people will be able to try some of these games without the monetary risk involved is like, fuck yeah. Maybe more people will play Dishonored right now. Maybe more people will give Kena a try because Kena is a really Phenomenal. awesome game. It is really good. It's a lot more difficult than you would think for the type of game that it is. <laughs> Has a crazy difficulty spike, but it's really fun. It's very um, much a uh, don't judge a book by its anime cover. <laughs> 100%. This looks like a game that would be for kids. And if a kid tried playing this, good fucking luck, guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get to like that second boss fight and be like, I right, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. The and then you're going to get to the final Lego boss fight. And you were like, nah, bro, what? Oh, dude, that game has genuinely, like, the final boss fight is. It's quite good. All right. I actually, it's really a cool fight, but. But it's it's very hard. Um, uh, You know, this is an interesting one. Speaking of PS Plus, Marvel Spider Man, which has been available on the service since its relaunch into a tiered service, uh, is leaving the extra and premium tiers along with other third party titles. While a revolving game list was to be expected, um, Spider Man leaving has some wondering if this will become normal for first party games or if this is somehow in relation to a licensing issue, similar to like what we just saw with Quantum Break leaving Game Pass. Microsoft ended up confirming that it was due to a licensing issue. There's some licensed music in that game um, and that they are working to resolve that and get it back on the service. Sony's been pretty mum on this and I get where it's coming from. Your questions come to Spider Man being an issue with um, licensing issues potentially where you have to worry like, okay, is there some licensing thing that comes into play and all the Spider-Man games Sony's making will kind of have trouble throughout the next you know couple of years where Sony has to consistently worry about whether or not they want to renew the license and if it's worth the money and what does that mean for the preservation of this if you want to play these games down the line? It's a great question. But the flip thing I'm seeing of this is a really good question of people wondering if this is leaving PS Plus because Spider-Man 2 and its upcoming uh, marketing campaign is going to drive a lot of people who may not have gotten around to Spider-Man 1 yet into buying Spider-Man. So you don't want it on your subscription service because there's a higher chance <coughs> that you may just outright buy it, which is ultimately better for Sony. Chris, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Do you think that this is some kind of weird shady choice? And shady's not even the right thing. Like, they're a business. At the end of the day, if their plan is, hey, occasionally there'll be a moment to where putting a, pulling a game off of it to get sales will be sensible and better for our bottom line. Do you think that that's shady and a bad move? Um or do you think this is just licensing? And if it is something that you think is not licensing, do you think that this is a precedent we can see with future titles? Like maybe if a Horizon 3 or a Ghost of Tsushima 2 down the line comes in uh, with a strong trailer showing that they pull the other titles temporarily to try and boost sales? Um, I, don't, I certainly don't think it's shady. They don't have any... 
They don't have to keep anything up there. And they've already said first party titles aren't a a promise to the service, right? Um, Yeah. No, it wouldn't be surprised me if, Jesus, it wouldn't surprise me if the rationale behind this is, yeah, it's been on there for six months. We're taking it away now. Like, if you wanted to play it for free, you have your chance. Now you can buy it. Like, that seems kind of like exactly what I would think makes sense to do with it. So, or they're about to show trailers at this June PlayStation event and they're going to put it on, I don't know, Essential. Like, I feel like gamers are going straight to the negative when they could just be about to give it for free to everyone in a couple months. While possible, it does seem unlikely, if I'm being honest. You're right. It is a possibility. But Spider-Man is a licensed game, very popular for them, sells really well, one of the best-selling PS4 games out. Um, And Miles Morales is one of the best-selling PS5 games. I don't necessarily know that it makes sense for them to be like, hey, we're just going to give it to you for free. When we all realistically know people who are just now getting PS5s who have been wanting one, as we saw Europe right now as for Q1 has like a 396% increase in PS5 hardware sales. The month of mm-hmm. March alone, it's like a 400% increase while both Nintendo switch and Xbox series consoles are both on a downward trajectory year over date. Um, or, you know, uh, year over year. Part of me thinks that this is realistically, and I agree it may be unfortunate, but at the end of the day, I kind of understand where Sony's coming from because we see games and you have that question that's been happening. Like Ghostwire Tokyo hit Game Pass and not only do they not really fix any of the issues the PS5 version did have, which are not myriad necessarily, but they're not great. Um, great game though, great game. But the Xbox version not only didn't fix any of that, it also runs worse and has lower ray tracing resolution and a bunch of things. For a game that had an extra year in the oven for the system it was coming out on, it didn't get a physical release on Xbox. And I think a lot of people are just have... The, the problem with a subscription service like this is it leaves the door open for the lingering question always in your mind is, is this a result of not having to worry about it and the quality of first-party games going down because of the incentive that Game Pass gives to be, well, people are going to be able to play it anyway, and they're going to play it because it's already included in their thing. So I've heard some naysaying going on around that. But if Sony's answer is like, we're going to put games on when it makes sense to be on there from a first-party perspective, but if we think we can make even more money from a sales boom that comes from something, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do that. Part of me wonders if it's because of Spider-Verse. Yeah. Because Spider-Verse is what? Um, is in June? June 2nd? Yeah, I believe June. June. All right. I'll so check. the game is the game's leaving a month before June, pretty much. This makes, if I'm being dead honest, this makes perfect sense. People see Spider-Verse, which we've already seen that there's a cameo of PS4 Spider-Man in there. Spider-Man's riding high. And what is the one thing that Cyberpunk's uh, Edge Runner anime, The Witcher TV show, The Last of Us, what are, what are all of the through lines that we've seen? When these come out and they start sales. to get into the eyes of new people, the sales of all of these see a big spike. Cyberpunk Edge Runners got the Cyberpunk game back to t- like Steam's top played games for a while. Yeah, it's true. But The Witcher, the the Witcher game, Witcher Three saw a huge sell increase after the Netflix Witcher series. 
Mm-hmm. The Last of Us, we already talked about, like a 400% something sales yeah, increase. Like 383, I think it was. Yeah. It's like, point being is, I don't see why any company who's paying attention to the way the market reacts would not do this. Even if it's not, even if it's unfortunate, even if your hope was, well, these games would be on here in perpetuity. I understand why you feel that way, partly because of the precedent that Game Pass has mostly set. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, one thing we have to continue to remember is that Sony is a company who's going to do what's best for the company. And what's best for the company is to remove a game right before a big multimedia release of a something involved in that property so that you can see the same sell spike. I would not be surprised if next month or in June we're reporting about a huge sell spike in Spider-Man. Because I'm oh, assuming what's going to happen is Spider-Verse is going to come out. Riding high on that, people are going to be picking up Spider-Man already, and then they're going to drop a fire Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2 control, commercial sometime during the Summer Game Fest week of where they're doing all that. And then people are going to be even more hyped and pre-ordering Spider-Man 2 like crazy and buying Spider-Man and Miles Morales, just licking it up. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I you're not wrong at all. It just yeah. also wouldn't shock me if, even if right now sales w- did, it was a sales thing. If by the time Spider Man 2 is coming out in September, by August, it's Spider Man and Miles Morales are free, or Spider Man and just Spider Man, you know? You know. To give your essential um, theory some credit, one way that you could do this is have it be where Spider Man is free as an essential game. The, the uh, Spider-Man game of the year or whatever, the remastered version. Um, give it for free as part of PS Plus Essential um, and then have it to where that's a push for Miles Morales sales because yeah. Spider-Man PS4 already saw a huge sales boost and then just have it to be like, hey, you buy this, you get hooked in the story, you want to play Miles Morales before 2 because we know that Miles plays a big part in 2. So we give this one game away to hopefully drive an even higher spike in sales for Spider-Man Miles Morales. It's possible, but I don't think that that, I think at the end of the day, anything Spider-Man related that's on a subscription service makes most sense to just pull it and say, let's see all of these things raising sales. Because if you remember The Last of Us Remastered, The Last of Us Part 1 Remake, and The Last of Us 2 all saw sales spikes. They did. Huge. I think the biggest argument I could see for Spider-Man being on the free services, they're already giving it out for free with Miles Morales Deluxe Edition, so it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to be like, yeah, here's the PS5 version of Spider-Man. You all own it. It's not free. It's $20 more. Sure. But it comes for free with the deluxe edition of, of Spider-Man Miles Morales. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, but it's not free. You pay twenty dollars more than. I get where you're coming from, but if it's already buy, at a discount. Yeah, basically, yeah. What I'm saying is, you have to buy a different game to get it. Whether you have to pay for it or not is another question. You're, so yeah, you're right. right. And that, yeah. so I think that that's why, like, it's definitely something I could see them giving away for free. Just you know, my personal take on it. Yeah, 
For sure. Uh, moving on to the next thing here, we got Final Fantasy 16 enjoyed quite the online boost as PlayStation's recent state of play seems to have made some new fans for the game, amassing an impressive 1.1 million views on just the 4K re-upload after state of play. So this was a separate one they did, and that is in five days. I have seen, now this is of course anecdotal, but I have seen far more people talking very positively about the game after the state of play, whereas before there was a little bit more mixture in the way people thought about it and people felt about it and people felt about the way it was being shown. Kind of like that weird thing where there was a Twitter thing of just watching Clive walk up to like a squeeze through and then squeeze through. And that was the entire gameplay. It's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. People seem to be very hyped. I'll give my full disclosure. I think I can speak for you. Uh, Neither. I didn't watch this. Um, I've said it. Excuse me, with Resident Evil before, like I don't need to watch something on a game I'm already gonna play. And I don't want to get spoiled. So yeah, I didn't check this out. But everything I've heard, people on the fence are no longer on the fence. And people who were hyped and watched it are more hyped. So I think it's gonna turn out pretty goddamn well. Yeah, all positives. I too have not seen it. I've seen very short clips while scrolling through my timeline of like Clive running up the arm of, of one of the icons, I'm imagining. Um I chose again not to watch it myself because I've known since like the second trailer that they put out that I was going to get it. It looks amazing. It looks incredible. I have no reason to want to see more because much like Chris, it's kind of like the difference here is that I was actually talking in the discord, uh, which you can always join. It's in the, the description below. Um, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services, but I was talking about how a game like Forspoken actually benefited from being shown to me for for me personally. So this isn't, so for me, I remember that for spoken when it was project Athia, it was like, okay, this is cool, but it could just be vaporware. This could be the next deep down, right? This could be the next, we're going to show you a crazy PlayStation exclusive. That's never going to come out, uh, which we have a long, long list of agent, um, wild from Michael Ansel deep down. Like we talked about, I don't know if you guys remember the PS3 Vita cross, uh, cross play cross, cross progression game that was supposed to come out. That was called ruin and then change its name to warriors Lair before being, um, uh, canceled. It was like a Diablo style dungeon crawler. Um, there's a mountain of these games. So that was kind of like, okay, and then they showed it again, and I was like, eh, who knows? It could be. It could not be. I wasn't a huge fan of Final Fantasy XV, but I also didn't hate it. It wasn't until they showed gameplay that I was into it. And then I stopped looking at really anything else until people started trashing all over very small dialogue sections. And I just listened out of curiosity. I was like, that doesn't sound that bad to me personally. Um, I've heard worse in games, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. recent games. Uh, yeah. So, in that case, it helped. But I think when I already know that I want to buy a game, I don't need like from the moment I knew I was going to buy Forspoken, I stopped looking at any new Forspoken stuff because I was like, okay, I know I want it. That's really all I needed to know. I played the demo, great, I'm good. I don't need anything else. The demo showed me that bare minimum I'll have fun. And Final Fantasy 16, same thing where I'm not even going to play the demo because I already know I want it. I'm just going to wait until the game comes out. They've already talked about a demo coming, but I don't see the value. So this is cool, but I also didn't choose to watch it and uh, will not watch it, but I'm glad everyone's so hyped on it. It's yeah. great seeing it, it's great, but also kind of interesting being the odd one out and seeing people talk so highly about it, but having no re that no clue as to what it was that's pushed them over the edge. <laughs> but 
It's not too bad. No, absolutely not. Okay, we got a couple more things here. Mergers and acquisitions in the game industry are continuing, but this time neither Sony nor Microsoft are the culprit. Not even that little grubby-handed Tencent. Uh, this time it's Sega, who is acquiring Rovio. Uh, I know that everyone thought that Microsoft was going to acquire Sega. Um, <laughs> but Sega's, Sega's out there in, in the waters with its you know shark fins up itself. Uh, so Rovio is mostly known as the mobile developer responsible for the Angry Birds franchise. Uh, the bid price was about $775 million. Rovio pulls in around $300 million per year, which appears to be a good call for the Jet Set Radio publisher, as it will not take long to basically recoup this um, and gives them a very strong position in the mobile market, much like Microsoft's talking about the <clears throat> primary driving factor for Microsoft uh, wanting to go toward Activision Blizzard King as the king element in the mobile division. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this other than this makes sense because if you think about it, even prior to a lot of the bigger studio acquisitions we're seeing from console devs and console publishers, we've seen Take-Two by Zynga. We've seen Activision trying to be bought up and apparently with King being part of it, we're seeing Sega go after this. People are just realizing that there's a very big market with mobile that they've had a hard time breaking into themselves. Easiest way is just to buy people who are already successful. Yeah, it. I think that uh, this is a good deal for them. It will not affect me in the slightest, but I am certainly interested to see if we get Sonic in the Angry Birds games, or you know, Joker in the Angry Bird next Angry Birds movie, or something along these lines. Uh, uh, maybe an Angry Bird cameo in the next Sonic movie. That would be dope. You got Shadow riding in on an Angry Bird. <laughs> Busting through like the dimensional barrier. <laughs> yeah. It's Jim Carrey's Eggman pulling the slingshot and firing them away. Sonic being in the Angry Birds game, which I assume is still being made. I didn't know that it was. Um, but dude, Sonic being in Angry Birds makes total. Instead of you flinging one of the birds, it's just Sonic and his spinball setup. And you just. I would like that. That <laughs> makes total sense. It yeah, does. That it, would be, it works very well. Be great. Yeah. So. I mean, you're not telling me anything crazy, but as someone who doesn't really play mobile games, A, this doesn't impact me, but B, this doesn't impact anyone because Sega's not buying Rovio to somehow limit what they can be on. Sega's buying Rovio just as a way to be like, we can afford to buy them out and then continue for year after year after year to bring in this guaranteed money. Yeah. Give me my millions. I don't know. I I wonder how many of these M&A acquisitions are going to be strictly for the money. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, Sony buy Square Enix and make everything, you know, exclusive. It's like, what if they just buy Square Enix and go, just, just do what you're doing? The money's just going to, to SIE instead of you. Like, why Dude, not? <laughs> why do you think that when they bought Bungie, they did not fight back about exclusivity? Probably because it would have cost $2 billion more dollars. But... <laughs> Well, dude, just across the board, it would have probably cost more to try and strong arm them against it. You would have had people who weren't happy with that decision to begin with. So then you're buying a studio that you forced your will upon, which means you have a bad relationship with a lot of the people at that studio. And instead, Sony goes, no, 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 no. We're going to buy you. 
We're going to give you extra money to pay your people as an incentive to stay that are going to pay out over time. We want you for who you are, the dev you are, and the expertise that you have. And we want the money that you clearly bring in from Bunge, from uh, Destiny 2 and potential future products. And we'll just, you'll have more secured funding than you had as an independent studio. Yeah. Exactly. That just, only stands just, to help literally every person involved in Destiny 2 and Bungie and everyone who's playing those games. I've long said, and it's, it's, I still firmly believe this, whether or not it's what ends up happening. The most obvious move for anyone um, in the grand scheme of things, definitely a company like Microsoft that already wants to be as universal as possible by putting their games on as many things as possible through streaming and whatnot. There is no way from a business perspective that you can convince me that having the Elder Scrolls um, Six be exclusive is, is a, good for is you. the is the best business move from a sheer mon- monetary standpoint. Yeah, it's not. It now you be. can give up some of the monetary standpoint to give you better footing in your budding subscription service, and the trade-off is just there, and you want it bad enough that you're willing to do it, and you're a multi-trillion-dollar company like Microsoft is, who can afford the blow. But the reality is, is if you go f- pure money-based, like if if Sony bought Bethesda, I have a feeling that they would at that point just be like. Yeah, just put it on everything. Instead, Sony was like, hey, what if we just pay you a pretty big chunk of money that's significantly less than buying you for you to just put Starfield exclusively on us for a year? Yeah. And I think and that's then just, maybe the same with Elastral 6, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but we become the home of Bethesda, but it goes on everything later. I don't know. I just think it's super. it would be super interesting to see, like, hey, we're buying Take-Two, but we're not touching them. We just want the we just want that rock star money. Is that really a bad idea? Like, if, if we're being dead honest, buying buying take two just to get Rockstar and the shark card money, it's worth it. Even if it's ten it billion dollars, you get that back. Jesus Christ, you get that back times a billion dollars once <laughs> once GTA Six comes out. But you definitely make your money back immediately. Like it's worth it. That's the thing is, I don't even know. This feels like a dumb thing to say because there's always a reality. There's always a chance. But it feels like it's going to be so insurmountably hard to fumble Grand Theft Auto 6 just because of the machine that Grand Theft Auto has become. Yeah. That it's almost like a like a self-fulfilling prophecy that 6 is just going to be massive. Absolutely. whatever happens with Grand Theft Auto online on that is going to be massive and yes there will be people who complain after a little bit about how rockstar is starting to go lean too hard into people who want to buy stuff and that's the reality is that eventually they stop worrying about the core gamer who's already enjoyed what they're going to enjoy and move on anyway and they go what we want is the casual people who want us to constantly add these new crazy things and shark card and that's just what it is yeah all they need. I, it sucks for me because I don't care for that type of gaming, but it clearly works in the market. Yeah, and that's what it's about. Make the most money. Buy Take Two, leave them Make alone. Make the most money. Who Alan Wake 2. 
now under Chris's little wing, <laughs> nursing and hoping to break out before the end of 2023, Join is still on track to release in 2023, according to its developer Remedy. Uh, while revealing a new logo for the company, they released or teased rather Alan Wake 2 this year and several other Remedy projects in the coming years. Um, if you remember, they had some different deals they made with some people. So, Remedy's doing well, despite the fact that Crossfire X seemed to not be necessarily a big hit. <laughs> um, Control also didn't. Remedy is a surprisingly resilient company. It's like they are. They have a series of games that just never really performed as well as they should have, and yet they stay around. Quantum Break didn't really perform as well as it was supposed to. Great game, fantastic. So it's like they keep getting opportunities to work on Control. Apparently didn't sell as well as they really needed it to, but it sold well enough and continues to sell, so it kind of works, and they can build their future around that. They bought back Alan Wake's rights from Microsoft, and they're just going through. Like Someone over there is just really good at managing because somehow, even though they never hit targets for anything, <laughs> they're not meeting Square Enix's Western Studios fate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's because they're still independent. Yeah, which, you know, there was that point in time where people were wondering because Shuhei went and visited um, Remedy and posted yeah. pictures. And people were like, could this be indicative of Sony buying Remedy? And if if Remedy had to get bought, I'll be honest, I think Sony would be the ideal place of all of the places that I think would have the capital and want to buy them. Um, I don't want to see the double a area that nordic games nordic you know thq nordic and whatnot um are at i don't really want to see that i don't think microsoft has proven themselves as much as people are going to get mad at that i think microsoft still have to prove themselves as capable of handling and managing first party studios better than they've seemingly been able to um and sony's one of the only studios or publishers out there that we know that gives a very large degree of creative freedom and I think Remedy sells best when they have creative freedom. So, yeah, yeah. if they have to be bought by somebody, Sony would be a cool choice. What do you think? I mean, I think Sony should buy them. But I think they just have so many games in the hopper right now that it wouldn't necessarily even make sense at the current moment. You know, they got their Rockstar contract, and I think they're making a game with Netties or something like that. And sure. Alan Wake 2, Control 2. So they got a lot of stuff going on for other people. So it would be, what, let's say minimum of four years until they even start looking at a game exclusively for PlayStation? Yeah, I don't know. It is weird that as a studio, they've released, a, an ex, in the type of games that they make, they've released an exclusive for Microsoft and not for PlayStation. Yeah. You would have thought from the type of games that each, you know, company is more known for that Remedy would be in line with PlayStation. Uh, but in a weird way, maybe that was a good choice because there's not really anything else like Quantum Break on Xbox, but there's plenty that's not that different from Quantum Break um, stylistically and marketing wise, like, you know, how you'd go about marketing it. PlayStation's full of that. Yeah, it is. It's a so, third person over the shoulder game. In the end, yeah. As we well, said, we'll see. You might get lucky; it may hit. Can break down. I hope <laughs> it does. Yeah, as I mean, we said I, last week, Alan Wake Two is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. We just, right. There is no difference whatsoever. Actually, <laughs> you like Resident Evil Four? Great, you'll love Alan Wake. <laughs> <laughs> 
you like Resident Evil 4, you'll love this one camera in Gran Turismo. <laughs> <laughs> you like first-person shooters? Cockpit view, Gran Turismo. You've got it. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Work. You're shooting the gas. Look, so. it's a first-person viewpoint where you you pull the trigger to go. <laughs> it's perfect. That's exactly <laughs> to progress what it. the game. You it pull the trigger cool. to progress the game. <laughs> I've just made Gran Turismo 7 and, and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 the same game. <laughs> now cross them over. <laughs> Soap driving <laughs> in a Ferrari. It's like you get to pick characters with Makarov. You're not allowed to pick a Russian car. They introduced the Need for Speed style mechanic of like shit talking. So it's like you and the you're playing as like Soap and Captain Price is over there. It's like, listen here. You're like, oh, yes, okay. <laughs> Makarov gets in his uh, his Honda Civic, and he's like, ah, oh, remember, no Russian. And then it just keeps going. Fucking I would stupid. play that game. I would play the shit out oh, of that game. Oh, man. The numbers, Mason. Look at your rev numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so let's see. Um... I think that's the end of our news. We got a couple of questions, and then we're going to go into the Velvet's Corner, which is always how we'll end the show. Um, so first question is more of a remark. Uh, I just didn't know where else to put it. Uh, Sweet Grant Trismo Jones said, as an aside from last week's DLC topic, I think my top three DLC expansions would be Undead Nightmare, Ballad of Gay Tony, and Iceborne, if you consider that DLC. And Iceborne is Monster in the World. And it's kind of weird because it's completely standalone. You can play it separate. I think I mean, it's DLC, but I don't know if I think it's actually we, considered. I, I think DLC. we talked about like first light last week, so I don't see why this would be any different. I would, yeah, I'd consider it the same, even though first light is a game that you can. It's really just a small game that you can play. And having, I guess, the difference is like right, Burning Shores is coming out for um, Horizon, mm-hmm. and its trophy list and everything is just under Forbidden West. Like it's you have to have Forbidden West to play it. You have to open Forbidden West to play it. And the difference for a game like First Light and Iceborne is that you can just open them and play them. As far as I'm aware, I didn't play Iceborne at all. So if I'm if I'm lying on accident, please let me know. <laughs> but yeah, as far as I can tell, it was a completely separate game, completely separate disc. Your character carried over and everything, but you could play it without world. And it had a separate platinum, I think. Actually, maybe it didn't. I don't think so. I think it was just added. I want to find. Yeah, if, if, I'm going to look real quick. I don't. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Monster in the World, Iceborne, Trophy God, and Roadmap. Yes, it does have a platinum. That's actually a little interesting. No shit. I didn't realize. That's cool. Good to know. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, you know, Ron, you were talking about how easily you got Monster Hunter World's Platinum. Now you got to get Iceborne's Platinum. Then you can come talk to me. (laughs) Until then, I don't want to hear from you. Okay, our other question that we still have that we didn't get to. Of course, we get to these right at the end. Uh, B-Raj88, one of our patrons, longtime listeners. Hope you're doing well, buddy. Let us know what PS3 games you've been playing. I know you've been playing them. I've been waiting to go back to mine. 
I'll do it soon. I've just been in love with the Vita. Don't ask me. It's just, it's where we are. <laughs> um, he says, you were teleported into a game of your choice for a month. If you die in the game, you die in real life. But whatever you collect in the game, you can keep in real life. Skills, magic, items, pets, clothes. What game do you pick? Hmm. Grand Theft Auto. See, I find it interesting that you immediately went with a game where you have a high chance of being murdered. <laughs> I don't, though. I don't have a high chance. Of Expound being on this. Murdered. Right. I'm thinking of it this way, right? Grand Theft Auto, like for all the stuff that we talk about these characters, they aren't murderers in the same way that like I am in the game. Right? Like Michael in his day to day is not getting a six star wanted level and seeing how Trevor. long he can last. Trevor, sure, but I'm not living in that fucking desert. So And Franklin, maybe. Well, you know, Franklin's just in gangs. That's gang violence exists in the real world. I don't think And it usually brings a wanted level. <laughs> sure. But I don't think day to day life in like San Andreas is any different than day-to-day life in current present day America. Arguably the healthcare is better. So <laughs> well cuz if you die you just you're you're, you're just right back. back. <laughs> right. You're good. So that's the thing, but not right? Not in this and in this one you die you're dead. Yeah. So just think about it. You go into GTA, you can make millions of dollars very easily cuz people just drop bricks on the street. And there is, I don't think there's much, much reason to think you'll die. Right. You're going in there, living a regular life and you can come out. If you start to engage in it, like if you're out here like, oh, I'm in GTA, I'm going to get a six star wanted level and see how long I can last. You may pass away. But if you go into the Grand Theft Auto universe and just exist, I think you're golden. <clears throat> I think the interesting thing here is it doesn't give you a time limit. So how long are you in here? Do you have to beat the game? Is that what it does? And then if you have to beat the game, what? how hard, like how easy is it to die in the missions in Grand Theft Auto? We're talking about five, so let's talk about five. You've mentioned characters from five. This is where it gets weird. At what point are you done? I don't know. I don't. I, what time? At what point do you go back to the real world to enjoy the splendor of the skills, magic items, pets, clothes, etc. that you got to keep? That's the real hard part. It almost sounds like this is a trick question where you're basically just telling me that you're getting transported into a game and you'll never get out. <laughs> Mario Kart would be a good one. You just get the race. See, I was my my immediate thing was what games do I enjoy that would have cool stuff that I would like to bring back over from like a power or skill standpoint um, that you have one of the lowest chances of dying in general in. And I landed on, ironically, because I was just playing it, 2008 Prince of Persia. Because one of the big controversies for the game that people had is that they, they didn't want the game to constantly feel like it was getting in its own way and getting frustrated because you had to redo stuff. So when you're platforming and everything, you can't die. If you fuck up the platforming and you go to fall, Elika will just swoop down, save you, pull you up. No matter what, it's endless. 
it never, it's just endless. So yeah. part of me thinks like that would be cool because I if if I get the skills of the prince, I can like run on walls and I get that fucking sick looking metal claw hand that he has that he uses to like slide down stuff. That's fucking awesome. And depending on if I get any of the benefits that you get from playing with Elica, I could have a potentially badass skill set, really cool items that would be cool just to have. And then in the future, if I ever like needed to get away from somebody doing something crazy, I could like wall run and shit. <laughs> I basically Ooh. get Titanfall powers without having to worry about the potential death scenarios of Titanfall. <laughs> like a Titan falling on your head. <laughs> exactly. Great way to kill an enemy in that game, too. Incredible. Yeah, super cool. So, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with 2008 Prince of Persia. It's It's got the right level of cool stuff and flair to it, and he has that really fucking cool sword, uh, but it has close to the littlest amount of risk you can get. Because like, you could also do a game like Stardew Valley. As Ooh. far as I'm aware, you can't die in Stardew Valley. You could the only out. difference is, is that, yeah, but you can't die. True. It's like Pokemon. You can't die in Pokemon. Yeah. Your, your Pokemon just black out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or white now, out. I want the sadistic guy who's like Manhunt. <laughs> <laughs> what would you even want? That's the question. Depending from on your Stardew? answer, I was like, like, what do you want to get from this? Stardew, yeah, I would be curious because I haven't played Stardew. I've been debating mm. doing it on Vita because it's a shared trophy list. Yeah. And because and of that... Easier. I can play. I can platinum it on Vita because the game doesn't have most like most of the newer updates. So every time they update the game, it gets harder to platinum. Mm-hmm. But the Vita didn't have that problem. <laughs> um, I think you'd want to take all their money away, right? Mm. You'd want to. You'd be able to take all your money. Um, you know, maybe I would come out of there with farming skills. So I would take all my utensils. Utensils doesn't seem like the right word, but that's okay. Uh, my implements. Utensils, I mean, yeah. <laughs> your, your implements. Yeah. That sounds wrong. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you probably, um, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what I would take is those two things. My cash. If I was going to Stardew, cash and uh, the other word I said that I forgot now. Implements. Yes, my implements. Utensils. <laughs> yeah, because I like upgrade them all to Iridium and then I've got this like insane stuff I can use at home to make a great, a great, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Of a great farm in my house, easy stuff. It's a hard question because it's it's always about the risk reward factor of like what's the cool shit you can get from a game. Because like, dude, Terraria is high on my list of stuff I would want from within the game. Low on my list of not dying. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't think that I would get out of Terraria without dying at all. There's some pretty hardcore stuff. Right, um, I gotta use the bathroom quick, so I'll be right back. Yeah, go ahead. All right, while while Chris takes a poopsie. Uh, I'm going to give the setup for sexy time. You know what? I'm going to wait. I don't want to, I don't have Chris miss out on the sexy time Uh, to let everyone know. We're of course wrapping up on the show. So we're going to move into uh, velvet's corner, which we will do officially in just a second. Uh, But yeah, B Raj, great question. I really like it. I'd be curious to hear what yours is. Uh, I know that you said you were too lazy. So you just screenshotted it from something you saw on TikTok. Uh, but yeah, that might be uh, that might be what we do as a community's take. I think that one could be fun. So yeah, community's take this week if you're teleported into a game. Oh, you did say a time limit. I'm sorry. I'm over here talking out of my ass. Uh, 
yeah, so into a game of choice for a month. So uh, if you die in the game, you die in real life. But whatever you collect in the game, you keep in real life. Skills, magic item, pets, clothes. What game do you pick? B-Rod, you better give me an answer so I can give yours first and foremost. We like doing those when we get these community-inspired answers. Um, but with that said, uh, I want to re-ask because I saw a couple people throw out there. I'm playing older games, so I think first and foremost – if there's any gems on the Vita that you're aware of that I may have missed that I've you've never heard me talk about, throw them my way, first and foremost. Even if it's games that are more gameplay driven, I like having something I can play while I'm also like talking to my wife and kid and I can easily put it down and pick it back up without having to worry about story investment. Um, but also if there's any DLC that you think I should absolutely 100% play, throw it my way. I'd be definitely curious to see where you end up going and what games I may have missed out on. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see how many people jump into um, Burning Shores because I'm always curious to see what the actual response to DLC is. I was talking the other day that I feel like DLC that requires the game must not sell very well. I think we may have been on, this, on, the, on the show. But I'd be curious to see if that's proven wrong or what the real benefit is and if Burning Shores truth proves to be a strong example of that. Uh, if Chris doesn't hurry up, though, I'm going to have to go into uh, the Velvet Corner without him. But, you know, I don't know what he has. I mean, I could always cut this, but what would the fun be in that? Oh, There'd look, no Chris comes back that. in the nick of time. <laughs> and Chris, <laughs> yeah, Brett. the time that I'm saying that you were in the nick of is sexy time. Oh, I'm always ready for sexy time. Are you? Well, get ready some more, big boy, because here it comes. Yeah, that got me there. Mm. Got me in the mood. Okay, Chris. Hi. The saga. The saga continues. At this point, it's. I guess the saga is anything over. (laughs) We're past the trilogy. That's what I know. So I guess the saga starts. I don't know how to call this. Uh, Velvet. Uh, Thunder, one of our patrons, of course, that this section is named after. He comes in, he says, the triangle squared game from last week's Velvet Corner. Uh, The triangle squared game gets moderate reviews with critics enjoying the gameplay but being uncomfortable with the overt sexual references. However, triangle squared to the fall of Kevin Bacon bits does considerably (laughs) better, leading to talk of a movie adaptation. Once again, Brett and Chris are called in as consultants. They're asked who they would be, who they would like as director, rather, which actors should play them both, who should voice Kevin Bacon bits as it will be a CG creation, and how will the plot be changed to better suit a movie going audience? So, Chris, I have, I have some ideas. So do I. You go first. My first idea, which I think is pretty easy to get out of the way, and I feel like you'll be pretty tickled from this one, is I think that a really fun move for Kevin Bacon bits would to just basically have him be, as, as I've heard someone say that they didn't, I think it was Kevin Bacon bits himself saying he didn't know he was going to become the Thanos of this. <laughs> so with that in mind, each month I the want- game is an infinity stone. <laughs> <laughs> to, <laughs> to that end, uh, yeah, each month that you get more that's that's the thing. He gets the infinity gauntlet or whatever from the end of the trophy prize. That's why he's trying to go so hard for it. Um But no. Because of that, who better to voice him than Josh Brolin? Okay. 
I like that. So is he being played by Josh Brolin or is he a CGI? Well, he's he's a CG <clears throat> creation, which so is Thanos. Okay. All right. So, I mean, up to you. At that but point, though, to I, stick to stick with the motif, I would go with one of the multiple voice actors for Albert Wesker. <laughs> That's who I would have voice him. Because I think he's more of the Wesker. <clears throat> okay. That's what you're going for? Yeah. I think if you finish Resident Evil 4, you'll understand the scene I was kind of describing a little bit more. Okay. Um, Fair point. So, yeah, I would I would call him a Wesker. And then Who did you who were your actors and your director? Okay. So, director hands down right off the top. I no even if the movie's crazy, which it will be because it's a, it's an adaptation of these games. Mhm. I choose to get somebody who I feel like I can have faith in their adaptation choices, who I also just adore as a director, and I think he has a lot of interesting choices. It's my boy Villeneuve, or whatever the hell you say. Denis. Denis Denis. It's my boy. Okay. Uh, he's a fantastic director, <clears throat> first and foremost. The only director I could think of, just because I would want to make you uncomfortable the whole time, would be the director who I can never say his name correctly. Same Don't with tell Denis. me it's who you think. I have a Who do feeling. you think it is? I don't know his name, <laughs> but I know exactly what you're going to say. Let me know. What what movie did he direct? Irreversible. <laughs> no, I'm not going that route, even oh. though that one would be even more. I, I think it's Yorgos Lanthimos. It'd be the guy who directed uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer and oh, God. The Lobster and Dogtooth. And <laughs> that was not him i don't think that was yorgos though i think he because he did nope. uh house the jack built right or was that Who, somebody yorgos? else yeah i don't know i think he may have he did let's see i'm gonna pull up his stuff he did the lobster dog tooth vivarium stoker the lodge you were never really here malice penelope the humans actually oh, this is people also search for that's not what i was asking for my bad let me go to it real quick some of those oh, were his. no never mind you're fine you're fine you were right Lars von Trier was who did House That Jack Built. So Blake and Velvet, oh. you can stop screaming at the phone. We, I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I must say, I didn't think he had that many movies. I thought he was still... I think Dogtooth was his first one. If, if not, it was one of the early ones. Um, he's a weird-ass director. So that would be fun just to have you be uncomfortable. <laughs> But no, my actual choice is Denis. I think he's made a pretty wide range of movies and he's shown that he's got an interesting eye. And I would just like, I think it'd be sick to work with him on something. That's really all it comes down to. Like if I just get into sitting in a room with him, like if, if you've seen the videos of hearing him talk about adapting Dune, he seems so excited. Like he's so into the idea of trying to be faithful to the adaptation, but mm-hmm. also mindful of what works better in film versus book and I'd say he's a very interesting man. He is. And I also watched Enemy again recently, and it's such a fucking good movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great movie. It's a great ending, too. Um, That's how you I Hannah was like, what the fuck at the end? It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. I have a couple of people I would pick as director. Director's the hard one for me. Um, I'm split between Michael Bay and Mike Flanagan. <laughs> So two completely different types of movies that we would get. 
But that's Michael my Bay. I love it actually. In a weird way, I think Michael Bay could be really great for the type of action set pieces that we're talking about doing. Exactly. Though also, I think Villeneuve is whoever has done a great job with plenty of his action moments in terms of being tense. I think. I, I think. There's something that would be even more comedic about the stupid situations we described last week being done in a Michael Bay kind of way where he's taking it with full sincerity and he's yes. like, and then the con like shoots in his eye and it's like, Vroom! <laughs> and we'll do, we'll do like a camera thing where like the camera spins around, and like loops around as it hits him and then splashes <clears throat> and then we'll push the camera through his face. Like I can see Michael Bay just going. Oh, which, of course, is a caricature of Michael Bay that like South Park made fun of, but still. Yeah. All right. I'm thinking of my character. So I'm, I'm going in a little bit of a different direction than you. So I think for Kevin Bacon Bits, right, I'm going to pick Ralph Innocent to play him. That Guy name from sounds the Witch. incredibly familiar. Oh, yeah. Big dude. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he'll be played by him. But he's going to talk the exact same way he talks in that movie. Um, <laughs> Bold <laughs> choice. My muskrats is a problem, trophies. <laughs> um, so I think I'm going to go with him. I think we'll have like flashback scenes. I'm gonna. I'm sticking with a lot of the witch because I think I'm going with Michael Flanagan. So I'm going with a specific type of movie. We're going for like. We're going for what Resident Evil 5 wanted to be but couldn't, right? So there will be action set pieces, which is why Michael Bay has switched into the producer role with Flanagan Direct. Oh, he's executive producer. I got you. Yeah, he's executive producing, and I think he kind of takes over when there's a big action set piece. So we'll have Velvet mm-hmm. Thunder will be played by... Are we going like Alive or Dead since this is fantasy? Or are we going Whatever like... you want to do, man. All right, so he's going to be played by Alan Rickman. <laughs> But Die Hard era Alan okay. Rickman. Yeah. Okay. Di- it's Die Hard era Alan Rickman, but like playing Snape. <laughs> That's Velvet. Um, okay. Kuno Guy can be played by Julian Richings, so I think is a great pick for Kuno Guy. Um, I don't know if I know who that is. You'll know when you see his face. Just look him up. You'll understand. Julian Richings. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen this person in anything. It's very snaky. And Kuno guys, just because you're playing, a, you're one of the villains of the game, so you got to be a little snaky. So I think I'm going with him. Um, but then for us, bro, it was he was really, in Cube. Yeah, Cube is a weird movie too. I've only seen it once, but man, what a <laughs> flick that was. Yeah. So here's what we're doing. Okay. These are the actors for us. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot. So I think for you, I would have you played by Cillian Murphy. Okay. So you, um, Cillian Murphy I mean, will play the part of Brett Beck, the smooth talking, the smooth talking guy. You chose uh, like a then, devilishly handsome dude for me. I really appreciate that. Congrats, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, this was a hard choice, but I think if you've ever listened to me talk about adaptions on this show, you'll know that the pick to play me in the movie is Bill Hader. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. 
<laughs> you son of a bitch. Also, Cillian Murphy and, and Bill Hader being like, the, interesting. I, I like the dynamic. I'm here for it. Yeah, they're like two big army guys. See, it's funny that you said that because I don't know if you've watched it yet, but my immediate thought, I was going to go just for the, the, because I thought it would be really funny and even play into like the comedy angle of this also somewhat melodramatic real story that we're mm-hmm. trying to weave within here. I thought Nicolas Cage for me would be hilarious. So, like, I thought that would be such a good pick because See, if like, you want to change it up way a older. Bit. Yeah. Like if we're going to go with like more accurate representations, not that you don't look like Cillian Murphy. I don't want you to get that impression. Right. <laughs> Um, I have to Thanks, look. Thanks, man. Up. I was starting to feel a little worried. Yeah, <laughs> no, you do look exactly like Cillian Murphy. Are you the guy from Batman? Thanks, man. Yeah, call no, me Scarecrow. <laughs> I will. I had to look it up to make sure I got the name right. Hold on. Why? Well, you'd think he'd be higher listed in this cast. <laughs> Chris, hear me out and don't be. <laughs> I, I almost wonder who you're choosing, but for pure comedic effect, I don't think you're going to like who I say. Wait till you hear who I say for me. <laughs> I have to figure out his name because I don't know what it is. But all right, I'm gonna say my pick because I bet we're gonna go the same way, right? So I'm thinking this is like I think we move it over I don't to like think that older. You know where I'm going. <laughs> I might. Go ahead. I think we're going to go older um, sure. for like the next one, right? So I'm going to be played by a, a more visually accurate, and I'm going to be played by Luis Guzman. <laughs> you're kind of going in the direction I am. Yeah. But you're not, you're not entirely there. Okay. Who are you, um, who are you so picking? Me being Nick Cage. Okay. The equally hilarious choice to me to be opposite Nick Cage uh-huh. is the guy. <coughs> his name is apparently Ken Davidian or Davidian. And he's the guy who plays the big dude in Borat who's with Borat when they're at the naked fight. <laughs> oh, his, his cousin or whatever? <laughs> the, the real fat dude? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I don't hate him. it. I don't hate it. I think Luis Guzman gonna, fits me a little bit better. I agree, actually. But I just thought that that one was like co- comedically him and, of course, Nick Cage in his current age. I don't want to be like 1990 Nick, Nick Cage. Cage when he was kind of bad. I want to be I want to be right now, 2022, 2023, Nick Cage. And a lot of this comes from how good uh, the um, the unbearable weight of massive talent is so fucking so good. good at being serious and goofy and ha- telling an actually pretty good story while being really over the top within all of the stuff it's doing. And Pedro Pascal is so good. But I think leaning far into the most ridiculous aspects of what we could be doing, I just thought that was a funny way. When we're talking about shooting cum guns at this guy in the movie <laughs> adaptation, <laughs> building towards eventually getting to the fall of Kevin Bacon bits. Um, I just, I like that idea okay. <laughs> of us being comically crazy versions. <laughs> what if we just go like proper big with it and you're played by Nick Cage and in a Just great- to throw this out there, 
Sasha Baron Cohen as me and you as that dude from Borat would also just be a great movie. <laughs> it would also be pretty good. Um, but I'm thinking you as Nick Cage, me as John Travolta. Oh my God, yes. But then halfway through the movie, it, Jamie Lee Curtis and like Lindsay Lohan walk out and like we get into a fight with them. And then the rest of the movie, it's John Travolta playing Nick Cage playing you. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Nick Cage playing you playing John Travolta or whatever. Yeah. See, the secret is, is that in the first act, as mm-hmm. we're building up to finding Velvet's Corner, you know, the, the tower that we talked about within Velvet's Corner, uh, we stop and eat at a, uh, a Chinese food restaurant. Yeah. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan are there for a reunion of uh, Freaky Friday. And it's actually they, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. And we see them and we're like, hey, you know, love the movie as, you know, John Travolta and Nick Cage now, <laughs> not mm-hmm. the young versions. And, um, uh, we we say like we're like ha you know y'all are in the and they're like yeah we're here for the joke and then they give us a fortune cookie as they leave it's like a ha ha don't forget and then you crack it open and you read it and the same thing happens and that's the inciting incident that's what happens that's how we get to the uh, we we switch and we're having to live each other's we're to being in each other's shoes. Uh, and that means it's a penultimate moment that we go through and do all the stuff where we have to actually take down Kuno Guy as we had to, uh, or Velvet rather, as we had to, to lean towards learning about Kuno and Kevin Bacon bits is even more funny because at that point, we've just recently gotten back into our own bodies and we have a new respect for each other. All right, hear me out. Okay, this is going to be my last pitch. But what if we do it like... One of those, I can't think of the, what's the, do you know the Death Proof? Where it was multiple directors did multiple parts, right? So we do it yes. that way. The first act of the movie is a Judd Apatow, like following us after we've been past our prime. We won, we beat Kevin, we beat uh, Kuno guy and we think everything's over, right? And it's us just living our daily lives. Like you became. Now, hold on. Is this the first movie or is this? Is no, this, this is the, the, the first fall act. of Kevin Bacon bits. This is the okay. fall of Kevin Bacon bits. It's, it's a, it's a three director movie, right? Like death. Proof. Well, so we're talking, so we're saying now we're moving into the sequel. Because what about the first movie? Oh, what about I, the movie adaptation of the first? Are we only doing the movie adaptation of we're going to start with the final story? The final yeah, arc we're, of we're the starting. Story? We're starting with the fall, the fall of Kevin Bacon bits because, in our view, as consultants, the game works as a first movie. Okay. Oh, okay. Maybe we can have Please a little continue. quick recap in there, directed by like Corey Barlog, right? Like hey, Corey, we, that's, where, that's where that's oh, where no, you're right. Like that starts in there, and the the middle part of the movie is like secondhand lines, where it's like mm-hmm. us going through and showing this young protege all the memories of the, how all the stuff that led to the ending of the first game happened, and we're yeah. like, and that's the it part directed old. by Michael Bay, right? It's the you that's it. the action section. So it's the beginning is by Judd Apatow doing like a very heartfelt, like maybe like one of our parents dies or something in the beginning and it's all depressing. And then the middle act is like, that's Michael Bay. It's us training our protege. That's Cillian Murphy and Bill Hader, right? Mm. That's them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our, like and our children. Can we do a Batman? Can we do like a Batman Beyond in this where it turns out that I don't want to spoil Batman uh, Beyond actually. I just realized that I but would yes. have to in order to, um, <laughs> yes. if you know, you know. 
But that's the twist in the end is that we've also taken the stories of Batman Beyond and Superior Spider-Man <laughs> and <laughs> our protégés. That's why the ending is the Michael Flanagan horror section mm. because it's mm. them realizing that Kevin Bacon bits is in my body <laughs> and you never mind. I'm going to stop talking, but you do, you know what I'm saying? So that's the ending and it's this horror thing. And then it's us as John Travolta and Nick Cage being hunted by Cillian Murphy and Bill Hader. Nice. I like it. Nice. I'm there. You know, speaking of uh, Mike Flanagan, I've never watched Dr. Sleep, but I've heard great things. Did you watch it? I have not. I have not seen The Shining mm. in a long time, actually. Bro, you haven't seen The Shining? Uh, I've seen I've it. Seen just the not any time recently. Because I, yeah. I, I prefer the books, so. I'm one of those pretentious Fair. people. I just thought it was really interesting that you chose specifically Mike Flanagan because, like, I can only think of a few things he's worked on. I like a, I like Oculus a lot. And actually, are you thinking of the right guy? I am thinking of the right guy. Yeah, you are. Oculus. Yeah. Oh, he did Hush. Yeah, I, yeah, I, he did. I forgot about that. And Hush is really good. Hush fucks. That movie came off uh, Netflix, and I don't think you can watch I can't, it anymore. I know. I don't know and why. So I've watched good. it twice. It's so good. Yeah, very good. That's crazy. But yeah, that's my pitch. It stars Cillian Murphy, Alan Rickman, um, Ralph Innes, Cillian Murphy, but Bill also, Hader. but also John Travolta, Nick Cage, but also John Travolta, Nick Cage. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I like it. I'm nice. here for it. I'm here for it as well. All right. Well, I think that that right there concludes the one and only The Sexy. Velvet's Corner. Mm. All right, Chris. I've already given them the community's take, which, of course, was their take on B. Rogers' question about being teleported into a game of a choice. And by the way, there was a time limit. I'm an idiot. It's a month. Oh, a month? GTA. As you as you learned from before we started, I'm apparently having trouble reading everything today. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the first sentence, and I'm over here like, no timeline was given. So, yeah, we're all good. They have a month. That'll be the community's take. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to wrap the show up with, or otherwise, are you good to go? No, I'm good to go. Uh, next, we'll have an update on the trophy competition soon. I think I'm still losing, but I'm pulling forward. Um, yeah, that's about little it. Little by little, day by day. Brett's got to find another game to put on his list for the uh, trophy Metacritic competition. And you got two more games he's got to put on there. I know, but I, I have so long in the year that you never know what could pop up out of nowhere, you know? It's true. You know what? Oh, I, I, I don't want to say too. I, 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 no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until one more preview before I say what I'm what I've been thinking. I had two games I was thinking about. Alan Wake Two is one of them. The other is a uh, relatively new uh, re- reveal. Oh, I want to know. Gonna, I, I don't want to say too much. You might steal it from it. I only got <laughs> one more pick left, Brett. You're kind of safe. I can't burn them too early. Burn them is a is a strong call for a 94, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say. I, I don't think that that was a a burning of anything. Uh, I'm I'm absolutely going to um, <clears throat> butcher the name of the game here. So give me a second. Harvestella on uh, PS5. No, even though that game does look like it would be very good. So, um, but have they announced it's coming to PS5? They have not. 
Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, the game I am talking about is... I don't love the name, but it's it still looks really good, at least right now. But it, it's too early, too soon. I want to see more of it before I dedicate to it. But that Immortals uh, of Avium oh. that's coming from EA yeah, that looks, looks good like well. it has the potential to be fantastic. It looks like it has the potential to be at least uh, mid-80s. But I've said that about enough games that did not hit there that I'm uh, I'm not wanting to jump into that yet. <laughs> oh, I need to, I need to see it a little bit more, but it's coming soon. Hey, what's what, what I feel bad about is that I love Forspoken, even with some of the problems. But that's not what the competition was. So I no, was right was in choosing it for me. <laughs> I was wrong for choosing it for critical reception. <laughs> yeah, you got to think like the critics. That's why I got scared off it, Hogwarts, which. It, it to is credit, like the 80 to 85 that I, it's for in, in my heart, it's the 80 yeah. to 85 that I thought it would be. But critically, I cannot blame anyone for not calling it that. <laughs> it's definitely a game. It has graphics. It is definitely a game. Yeah, so we will definitely see. But I'm going to hold off a little bit longer because while I think it's a really strong initial showing, I would like to see a little bit more before I go jumping in and putting it on my list. You know what I mean? Okay. Yes, I understand what you're saying. (laughs) All right, guys. If Again, if this was your first episode for some reason, we hope you enjoyed. Uh, Everyone else who's been joining us week in, week out, or just hopping in when they have time, uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week. We'll be back with episode 304. Who knows what kind of crazy news may happen in the in-between from there. But one of these days, it's going to have to move from this relatively sluggish early year news point like you know we're getting a lot of games that are reviewing pretty well and big high profile releases but nothing big in the news sphere just yet uh but with that said uh we have people who so graciously go to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month to keep this show going and running without us having to dig into our own pockets it's a huge help and it's a big reason that we still do this show 303 episodes in uh so we'd like to do what we always do and offer a huge shout out to them and also extend an invitation to anyone that feels like they're enjoying what we're putting out here and enjoys what we're doing please consider it. I know a dollar is not that much, but it can also make or break for some people. So if you have it in you and you enjoy what we're doing, we would love the extra support. And if not, we're just appreciative that the fact that you just listen to us uh, as often as you do. So with much love to everyone, but especially our patrons, Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Stingray X. It's a sin to win. AKA Sean Aztec King, Lechion 69, the Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Christopher, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Santaru. Thanks to each and every one of you. See you next week. <laughs>